It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. is up everyone welcome to another town hall series here at fantasypoints.com this is where we informally gather up after the nfl draft free agency in the books the draft in the books rosters are basically set obviously we need to see what transpires in training camp with injuries and all that but we do have a lot of information about the upcoming 2023 campaign so it's time to break it down with the crew here our guy adam kaplan here with the He's out there NFL insidering as always. So he's ready to go with some information. Our guy, Brett Whitefield, our draft maven, and um, really our overall uh, football uh, guru person here. I know he loves the word guru. Um, and Graham Barfield and Joe Dolan as well. So I'm sure everyone is doing well. We already did the NFC. We're going to go through the AFC here, go team by team and, you know, talk about the fantasy ramifications of everything that they've done during the off season. So let's start over in the AFC East with the Buffalo bills. And I'm going to go right to Brett and or Graham. I, I think those two dudes are, are into uh Dalton Kincaid. So Graham, I'm going to actually start with you because you are Mr. Stat here. I believe you're into the Kincaid. I could be wrong here, but, you know, I just have a real problem. I understand what they did. We all thought that they'd look for a wide receiver in free agency and or the draft, and they opted to go with a glorified, you know, basically a big slot receiver who's a tight end. But it just seems to me that people are expecting big things from Dalton Kincaid right out of the gate, but I'm not there yet. Um, I understand the process, but what about Dalton Kincaid, Graham, for this year? I mean, what are you thinking? Typically speaking, rookie tight ends are really bad bets for redraft and best ball fantasy. Like, really, really bad bets. Like, very, very rarely do these guys pop. Dalton Kincaid could be the one outlier, though. I mean, this Bills team has been looking for a, a slot receiver for the last couple of years here. Um, analytically speaking, Kincaid as a prospect is really just kind of a one-year wonder. He did have eight touchdowns in his second season. Um, but, uh, I mean, on tape, this guy is a beast. Uh, Brett can speak way more to that and his fit with his Bills offense. But I think if we're just speaking from just like a fit perspective, long and short term. I mean, Kincaid makes a ton of sense. Stephon Diggs is going to be 30 soon. Gabe Davis has been up and down, to say the least, in his career. Uh, this team desperately needed an interior receiver. So fit-wise, I think Kincaid is fantastic. But I'm I'm kind of with you, John. I think he's getting a little overhyped in fantasy. I love the fit. I uh, love the fit. But I do yeah. wonder how many targets he gets here one. Brett, um, I think you're kind of banging this drum. Maybe I'm thinking of Scott, too, on Kincaid. But, you know, any thoughts on a target number for him? I, I just – I don't even see 100. But, you know, he could flirt with uh, triple-digit targets – uh, your thoughts on the immediate fantasy impact of Dalton Kincaid? I, I am skeptical. Yeah, from an immediate fantasy impact standpoint, John, I'm I'm not sure what to tell you there because targets. Okay, I got to see how much this guy plays in an eleven personnel before I can really commit to that. 
If Dawson Knox right. is still taking the lion's share of those reps, then then uh, honestly, his target number is probably not going to be great at the end of the year. So, yeah. But from a football standpoint, this makes a ton of sense. I mean, Josh Allen was at his best when he has uh, someone who can attack the defenses at all levels of the field. Getting a guy who can work the short and middle part of the field, like I love what they're doing from that standpoint. I think this helps Josh Allen a ton from a football standpoint. How much it you know contributes to the fantasy world? I have no idea at this point. Adam, what is the word on the street on Ken Dorsey? Because I don't know. I thought, you know, if you look at the numbers for Josh Allen last year, they, they were almost identical to the year before with Brian Dayball. But I, I do feel like we got to drop off from Ken Dorsey. I mean, can we assume that Ken Dorsey is going to take full advantage of a guy like uh, Dalton Kincaid quickly? Yeah. I mean, look, it, it the numbers may have looked similar, but the the it, it didn't look like that on tape. There was a drop off. Just yeah. didn't look as good. Now, part of it's because Davis had the high ankle sprain in week two. It was never the same. John, you know, he shouldn't have played. I don't know why they didn't set him down. Uh, now, one thing you'll probably see is Khalil Shakir. You sh- you're going to see him get some time in the slot. The added Hardy is probably going to be more of a special teams player. And then you know, the big addition, John, and this will help Ken Dorsey out, is they're going to – the one thing behind the scenes I know they, they really had a problem with is they just had no one to close games. And if they, if, if they wanted to run the football – we know they're going to pass into you, but when they wanted to run it, they couldn't do it consistently enough. And this is where Damian Harris comes in. He's going to be effective. Joe Dolan, I, I believe you were with me on Gabe last year. And again, yeah. I, I would contend. I was very much with you. I would contend if we don't get that game canceled and we don't suffer the high ankle sprain, you know, injuries are a part of the game, but that's a pretty serious injury that I, I will contend all day until the grave that I would have nailed the projection uh, on the head here. He was up in like targets, catches, yards, yards per reception. It, it wasn't as bad as we thought. So the question is for you, Joe, are you back in on Gabe Davis? By the way, his price tag is decreased by about 50%. Yeah. I mean, it. He, it's a very, it's a, I think it's a pick that a lot of people are having to hold their noses to make this year. And so they're, so it's, Dropped his ADP down despite the solid situation. He's currently wide receiver 40, by the way. Remember, he was consistently being drafted inside the top 20 wide receivers last right. year. Um, and look, we overpaid. We got it wrong. There's no, like, bottom line. But they didn't do anything on the perimeter this offseason, which, which actually surprises me. Now, I think there's certainly a chance they would be one of the teams in for DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, if, if those guys were to become available, but they didn't currently do that, do that. But that leads me to a question for Adam, because I know Adam's given us good stuff with the bills. There's a gentleman who's a second year wide receiver who is free in best ball drafts right now. Adam, his name is Khalil Shakir. What do the bills feel like Shakir can give them? Remember no Isaiah McKenzie, Cole Beasley's gone. Kincaid's probably going to play some of that slot. But do they think Shakir can play outside at all? Yeah, no, Shakir's going to be – I think you got to be careful when you say – how many t- – you could say Kincaid will be a detached tight end. There's no question yeah. that's the way that that team saw him. But when we're talking about wide receiver, who's going to line up more in, as a slot receiver? It would be Shakir over Kincaid. I, Kincaid will move. He'll be a move tight end. We line up inside, absolutely. Line up on either side. But if you're just talking about who's a pure receiver who can line up inside, it would be Shakir. In fact, last year they cross-trained him um, because they didn't want him just to be a slot. That was the obvious position for him when he was coming out of Boise. But they cross-trained him, 
then they, they want to take a look at the kid Justin Shorter as well as a fifth rounder. They'll, they'll do that uh, in OTAs and training camp. But I believe Shakir will, I don't know if it will be their main slot, but he'll line up a lot there. That's probably the future for him is inside. Yeah, Dalton Kincaid tied to end 11 currently on underdog. Like, that's that's bad. That's steep. That's I mean, steep. That's ridiculous. It's it's, uh, it's really steep, man. And, and like, yeah. John, I know we've been going through tight end projections. Like, I'm taking Chick Conquo over him. I'm taking Dalton Schultz over him. I mean, Schultz is so boring. But, like, <laughs> he could very well score six, seven touchdowns in this offense. Like, Kincaid, I'm with Brett. Like, I, I kind of – see this offense is like okay they have Gabe Davis on the outside 99% of the time just like last year Diggs will play obviously a ton to be the leading tar- target guy but you know they they kind of rotated him in and out a little bit too, keep him fresh and then the rest will just be a rotation between Shakir Kincaid uh, I think they like Deontay Hardy they get Hardy a lot of money um, so yeah yeah I think I think the rest of this this Bill's offense is just a, a full-on rotation that's another factor with Kincaid you know that if they're paying Hardy they they may rotate him on in there Uh, well like Brett said too I mean I don't think Kincaid is a lock for playing in in one tight end sets and 11 personnel I think they're going to play a lot more 12 for sure they'll play more two tight end sure sure I mean Dawson Knox I'm sure has a big advantage on Kincaid in terms of blocking and experience there you know Adam back to you real quick and then we'll move on from Buffalo but I, I talk with our guy Sal Mayorana uh, local beat writer. Um, a, he said, like, no one knows what the deal is with Naheem Hines. He's basically just going to be a return man. B, he was with me. Like, what was the urgency? Oh, we got to get Latavius Murray. What's that? It's May 9th. We got to get Latavius Murray. Um, does that speak potentially to a little bit more of a commitment to running the ball? Maybe they don't want to use Josh Allen or those QB keepers. No, no. You know, I, why mine- then? My understanding was, and I'll just repeat what I said a couple minutes ago, they were frustrated the last couple of years with their inability right, to sustain. Right, right. When they got to leave, yeah, yeah. There's a, coaches will tell you, when we have to run the ball, we've got to be able to do it. And they just couldn't do it. Uh, I think the bigger thing here, John, is like they've really committed to their interior O-line. They drafted Osiris Torrance um, out of Florida. Um, they, I think they just have a really poor – interior line and they've yeah, had a really poor yeah. run game scheme and you know okay they've recommitted to Dan you know they've recommitted with Dame Harris and Latavius but like I think their offensive line moves are, are another signal that they're they're going to run a little bit more but uh, I still I Josh, Josh Allen's still the goal line back I fantasy, would tell you they were not happy about what they're off their interior though just to take that it wasn't so much they want to run the ball they'll never be a running team they just were frustrated with their inability to stay in blocks yeah. on the interior Ryan Bates was an amazing story if you follow the story, formerly of Penn State and the Eagles, and no one thought anything of him, and somehow they developed him, and three teams were in on him as a restricted free agent. He's a marginal starter. They're not very good at guard. That, that's just the thing, and that's why they drafted Torrance, second rounder. Uh, they just have to. They, their offensive line was bad. It was below average last season. That's a, that's a clear fact. Anyone watching tape would tell you that. And it's got to be better, and that's why they spent the second rounder. It's they're not going to change their belief. They're, they're passing offense. That's not changing. It's just when they need to run it, they got to block better and they got to get it. They need a banger inside. And Damian Harris fits exactly what they're looking for. And obviously, they know him. So, is James Cook your primary back on a passing yeah. team, right? He, he should be. Now, the block team got in better. T- touches. Yeah. Yeah. The blocking got better. The, the So, one thing you got to understand is the lead back for them does not, it, it's not the sense that we would see with a, a normal offense. Lead back there might get 14 total touches. Harris might get 10. 
And Murray might spell, because with Harris's injury history, you need a third back. And Hines, to me, remember, they were in they were in on McCaffrey. For, they had interest in him, but it didn't work out. Panthers weren't trading him then because the Panthers were still trying to make the playoffs uh, last summer. Then you know, they went through a bunch of running backs they were looking for. They traded for Hines. This didn't work out. It's it's tough sometimes when you make a trade for a running back in season. You're trying to figure this guy you don't know. You're trying to figure out how to use him. And they don't honestly now with Cook's role in the passing game. I don't, I don't know what Hines is going to do. No, nothing. He's going to do nothing. Just return kicks. Like I said, that that's going to be their their kick returner, basically their main kick returner. I guess he can do both. Let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. They did not have a number one pick in this draft. They have to had to forfeit that puppy. Um, Adam, though, back to you, because you and I discussed this this morning, uh, despite the drafting of Devon A. Chain, of course, the third rounder is not a high volume guy. Um, I'm still thinking Dalvin Cook is in play in Miami. He went to high school like 20 miles away from the damn stadium and they do have a need here. So what do you think here with Dalvin Cook? Yeah, if he if he gets released, that's where I would think there's a possibility because most are. Well into his 30s, major injury history. Jeff Wilson's a, a good second back. Eight chains of change up. Remember, the, the this offense is predicated, the, the Shanahan system is still running the football. I know it, it seems illogical based on having Waddle and Hill. And by the way, they brought in whatever he's calling himself now, Robbie Chosen. Anderson yeah, and Chosen, yeah. And, well, and, Brett- and, and, and Barrios, but no, they're, they're, they need, they don't have that, they don't have that guy, that lead back though. They still don't have that guy. Right. Brett, uh, Mr. Fantasy Points prospect guide, you've broken down Devon A. Chain out of Texas A&M. How do you think he fits into this running game, this backfield? I mean, he's so he's so similar to what Mostert and Jeff Wilson already do in the run game. I mean, str- blazing straight line speed, you know, not an overly elusive guy, but for that outside zone scheme they're going to run, he's pretty much perfect for it. I think, John, we talked on your radio program about perfect landing spots for A-Chain, and Miami was in the discussion the whole time. It was either Miami or Cincinnati, in my opinion, and he landed probably in the best scenario for him. I'm curious to see, like, you know, they brought in Edmonds last year and and paid him a little bit of money, and Mostert still beat him out, you know, being one of McDaniel's guys. I'm curious to see how much A-Chain gets on the field because McDaniel's obviously likes Mostert and Wilson Jr. Those are both his guys, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw uh, saw the project- projection I have. I mean, it's a tough one for sure, to your point there. But um, I gave this dude, you know, I feel like he's going to be a factor, you know, not a big one, but I gave him mm, 100 touches. That seems fair. I mean, honestly, they, they had very limited draft capital this year, and they spent one of their best picks on a, on a running back. It seems like they're going to use that guy. Yeah. What about a tight end? Do you know anything about – Elijah Higgins, who was a wide receiver. Yeah, so Higgins is, you know, right away when I watched him in in Mobile, I I noted that, hey, this guy should probably move the tight end. He's a little clumsy for an outside receiver. He's big. He's got good juice. He's like, he's he's fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speed. But you can just see the stiffness in the hips. He doesn't have that that sink and flexibility in his ankles that you kind of look for in an outside receiver. So I think him running a, a tight end route tree is going to be a, a, a much better option for him long-term. So I, I love the fit. I mean, they kind of have the weirdest tight end room in the NFL possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see a reason he can't get on the field if he, if he performs well in mini camps and OTAs. That is a needless to say a very difficult projection. And I, I had to do that, but you know, Durham Smythe, I think I actually have, 
higher, believe it or not, because he'll he'll get some targets. But not, we're we're going to take a wait and see approach here with the Dolphins tight ends. I don't have much else other than, you know, Adam. I'm out on Tua, man. I, I said last summer that this is going to work. This was looking good, and it was. But I I just cannot see this guy you know, staying on the field here. I guess he's all jacked up now. So was he going to be slower in the pocket That's not now? The problem. the problem is he doesn't see the rush. He doesn't, he just doesn't yeah. have that field. And two of the field quarterbacks have, it has to be feel it. Don't see it. You know, you yeah. just, you, you know, when it's coming and you got to get the ball and he just, he's a target back there that it's not the talent that he has. And it's not the talent around him. The offensive line still, still not great. Mm-hmm. It's just, he doesn't have that feel about, okay, I better get – it's 2.5 seconds. That ball's got to be out. He just doesn't have that. Yeah. Well, Graham, Joe, for fantasy, where where are you at with Tua? I mean, he was on my target list last year. It was a you know it was a good call until it wasn't. Uh, where, where are you? I think he's a little overvalued this year. I think Tua um, is just a guy who I'm not terribly interested in. I'll take his wide receivers, and if his – and if – and if his receivers hit, then maybe he'll he'll end up hitting. But I'll get my piece of that offense by drafting his wide receivers. There are guys going after him who I definitely like better. Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins. I like Aaron Rodgers better. I like I think I like Geno Smith better. Goff is up in the air for me. But I, I mean, the, the ugly reality of the game that we love is to a might be one hit away from never playing it again. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, we have to we have to translate that and extrapolate that to fantasy football. And drafting Tua as QB twelve is, in my opinion, is too pricey. I just I, I can't get myself. I don't know how Graham feels about it. I can't get myself there. Yeah, unless I have Tyreek or Waddle, I'm not drafting Tua either. And keep in mind here, I mean, Mike White is like a functional backup. Skylar Thompson, like no no hate. He he tried his best, but I mean that offense could not move the ball. Uh, so Mike White, you know, at least gives us a little bit better backup plan, a little bit better safety margin and feel better about Tyreek and Waddle. Does anyone expect a third wide receiver to do anything in Miami this year? Anyone that, at all? That's actually, my, you, you know, you kind of outlined it, John. There's not really a whole lot of questions about this team. That's my only question. Like Waddle last year, like if, we, if you look back at Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill's splits, Tyreek had a massive advantage in terms of targets. Like first three targets, I mean, he was the guy. Now that Gasicki's gone, I'm wondering if a few of those tar- targets do trickle Waddle's way because, like, they, they've got nothing else. Like, this is an already super condensed target tree. I know we talked about this last week with the Eagles and the Vikings. They're already super uh, condensed, but I think it might get even more condensed because they don't have a three and they don't have a tight end. Adam, they did sign Cedric Wilson last year before that Tyreek acquisition, and he was pretty good. I talked with Mike McCarthy at the Combine last year. I mean, that dude was going on and on and on about Cedric Wilson. I don't know what the hell happened. Maybe he got mad that they brought in Tyreek, but you know, there, there's a guy who might do something here, don't you think? You know, but they don't really use third receiver. That, that's the problem. Maybe with Kasicki gone, though. Maybe a little bit, but don't for, now they'll have to figure out how to use Braxton Barrios. Robbie Anderson's there also again. So I, I you ignore Cedric Wilson. I mean, it, it the only thing is, as you said, they don't have that pass catching tight end now. They'll go with the total committee. The, those guys are there, by the way. All they're there to do is block, they're not there to catch. 
Right. Let's move on to the Jets here, covering the AFC East here, the AFC version of the FantasyPoints.com Town Hall for 2023 post-draft, kind of gathering up and going over all 32 teams and all the fantasy issues here. Adam, I'll go back to you for the Jets. Corey Davis on the team right now. I kind of think it's important. I'd like to see him for Aaron Rodgers stay here because he is very capable. It's a good depth guy at the very least. Um, what do you think here? Because a lot of people thought that he'd be pulled off this roster. Well, Joe Douglas hit it. He didn't say exactly what it meant, but I know what he meant. He spoke highly of Davis, but he goes, there's a business side, which means he's going to take a pay cut. That, right. That's my yeah. read on it. Gotcha. I don't see any way he could stay for $10 million and be a backup because Wilson and Lazard are your starters. And Cobb will be Cobb will, will play the slot. It's the only position he plays, but I don't know how many snaps he'll get. Hardman is there. Ironically, the, before Joe Douglas got there, they actually tried to trade for him. Uh, really? Sign, or actually, no, no, they're going to draft him in 19, as a matter of fact. They had a trade right. worked out. With, they're working on a trade to get him, the, the former GM, but it just didn't work out. Kansas City traded up to get him, and they, they wound up not getting him. But it's it's going to be interesting to see because Conklin and Uzama are getting paid a lot of money. So theoretically, you you would think a lot of 12 personnel, but with Wilson, Lazard, Hardman, Cobb, and Davis, they could go back and forth to 11 and 12. Yeah, I have no interest in any of the other Jet receivers. I mean, maybe Alan Lazard, but to me, it's, it's Garrett Wilson or Bust. I am a little curious about Tyler Conklin. Could he emerge i could see aaron Rodgers being into tyler conklin um so that might be a thing but even he's a little canceled out by uzama in the backfield brett our guy izzy abanacanda here um love izzy uh great kid grew up in brooklyn and i'm sure i know he's happy his father i saw the video when he got drafted that he's staying home here do you think izzy abanacanda based on his body work and skill set and, and maybe deficiencies is a safe bet to be the handcuff for Brees Hall right out of the gate? It feels that way because it doesn't seem like they like Michael Carter, but it seems like they did kind of fall in love with Zonovan Knight last year, and Zonovan Knight ran pretty well for them. So I think Izzy's got to compete a little bit. He's, he has to bit, yeah. win that. Yeah, but yeah, Izzy's skill set's perfect for this offense. You know, they're a zone-heavy team. They're a lot of inside zone, a lot of outside zone. Talk about his burst, vision, and you know acceleration, all that stuff. Home run hitting potential, it's all there. Um, he doesn't give you really much in the pass game as of right now, so I think he's probably an early down rotational guy yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. with Brees coming off the injury, like they're going to need someone to take early down carries, I think. so. Adam, what is up with Michael Carter? I mean, I thought that we were good. You know, I understood they drafted Brees Hall. I, I wasn't worried about Michael Carter for Brees Hall last year, but I thought we were good in terms of being a real nice complimentary guy. I'm not going to go one B, but you know, a very nice complimentary guy who consistently gets seven, eight, nine. Here, here's what happened. Yeah, here's, here's what happened. This is pretty simple. So they wanted to run the football because of the problems at quarterback. They right. did not want Wilson dropping back a lot because you saw how badly he struggled. Yeah. So they went with Knight is real stiff. That's the knock on him in scouting. He's extremely stiff and, and upright, but he's strong. And they wanted volume carries. Carter cannot be a volume back, and that's their thinking. And also, I have this. Vanacanda, um, if he's active on game day, will probably see time on third down. If he, I'm told if he gets everything together in training camp, that's probably what you'll see. Well, that speaks to them seemingly not liking Michael Carter. Again, I mean, like, 
I don't get it. Like I thought he was a good, good oh, complimentary man, guy. Maybe he, in training camp they could push for that help on third down. But I'm just telling you their their thought process. I what I understand is if a band candidate is active on game day, it probably would be more on third down. Okay. Well, I'm not into Rogers much, Joe and Graham. Uh, I'm sure you guys probably like him a little bit more than I do. I'm not really down on him. I just feel like it's going to be all about touchdowns. I, I just look at last year's numbers in green Bay and I think, well, there's Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, good defense. Yeah. You know, what, do, what are your thoughts, Joe? I mean, you seem to like him. Why, why is it exactly? Well, I mean, I like him more than Tua. Um, I, oh, have okay. him at, I have him at QB 14. I have two at QB 16. Okay. Um, here are some guys I have above them. I have Gino above them. Um, I think you can make an argument for Kirky. I, I have Kirky literally one pick directly below Rogers. So that's splitting hairs. Um, I like Daniel Jones more than him. I, I obviously like Dak Prescott more. I like Anthony Richardson more. So I'm probably, I'm probably with markets on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just a little concerned from a fantasy perspective. And this is, this is more anecdotal than anything else that he'll end up leaning on his boy Lazard more than Garrett Wilson, who Garrett Wilson, Graham, I, I think is justifiably carrying a second round ADP right now. And and I don't have a problem making that pick either. Yeah, no, I, my thing with Lazard is like, if you look at the last eight games last year and Christian Watson finally got healthy, got past all the injuries, Watson, I mean, his target per route run was way, way higher than Lazard. And I mean, I think Lazard is what he is at this point. That's like a really good two to three. I'll be the Aaron Rodgers bull in the room. Uh, this okay. guy has led the league in touchdown rate four times. He's now got way better weapons, a way better offensive line. Jo uh, John, I think the defense helps him. I think they're just going to be, a, I think they're going to be a really, really good team. Yeah. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is going to come back out here and throw 48 touchdowns like he did in, in the, you know, 2020 year. He's not, you know, right. I'm, I'm not, that's, I'm not saying I'm there. Yeah. I could absolutely see a return back to the low 30s in the touchdown sure. range. With agreed, agreed. I think it'll be the touchdowns. I just yeah. think it'll be that it'll need he'll need to be touchdowns, right? Yeah. I just don't see him throwing it 38 times a game. Yeah, here. I think then that's again, fair. I yeah. think that's fair. They're built. They're definitely built to run uh, as well. Uh, they're just going to be a good offense. I think. I mean, I think Rodgers is just going to take them to the next level. As of mid-May, Adam, back to you. You feel okay about Brees Hall? From what I'm told. Uh, he's ahead of schedule. Uh, he should be on the field in training camp. I don't know how much he'll practice, and he certainly, barring a setback, should be ready for the season. I'm certainly higher on him than I am for Javante Williams, who had a worse knee injury, so that's kind of the way I would see it. New England Patriots next up here, the AFC Town Hall over at FantasyPoints.com, and it was like watching a car wreck last year We that you knew was coming, basically with the uh, office coordinators there in New England taking over for Josh McDaniels and not doing very well at that. So, Adam, what, is, what are you looking at? What is the goal here? Can, can we basically just get back to 2021? You know, by year's end, if we're back to where we were in 2021 with Mac Jones, then that's like a win for this year? Yeah, I mean, Brian's a real play caller. You could say what you want about him as a head coach. He's not very good uh, to a certain extent if he has too much responsibility. But as a play caller, he's certainly above average. That's the way coaches work with him, tell me. Above average to good. He'll do a good job with Mac Jones. He'll coach him hard. And it's the Stevenson show in the backfield. They will run the football. Uh, when you look at their receiver core, hmm. uh, to me, they probably, John, will be a little bit more 12 personnel this season than you probably would think. Because it's 
Juju, it's Bourne, it's more of a slot, it's Parker, and just a bunch of guys, Goody and, and Douglas. So to me, it'll be probably more 12 It's a nightmare for fantasy. I mean, it really is. Uh, Graham and Joe, I'll go back to you. It, it's like they've got like these little pieces that they'll use every 3.7 weeks on average, you know, like Kasiki or um, maybe even Taekwon Thornton. I, I don't see a single player here that really stands out to me as a good pick. And I'm, I'm even going to include Ramondre. Oh, I don't know, John. I, I was literally about to interject to say, I thought Ramondre was a big winner of, of the NFL draft. Like the, the, the Patriots go out of their way to draft running backs on day two. You know, they, they do it. They, they drafted Damian Harris when, and he redshirted a year. They always seem to redshirt these running backs. Ramondre was one of the few who came in, made an impact as a rookie Last year has his breakout season. They lose Damian Harris, and they go out and do what? Sign James Robinson, who multiple teams couldn't wait to get rid of. I I, I think Ramondre was one of the biggest winners of free agency and the NFL draft. Um, and one of the reasons that I'm – I think it's really viable to be bullish on wide receivers early in your fantasy drafts is that Ramondre's available in the third round, and he's going to be a bell cap. So I, I think Ramondre was a huge winner. I don't think this offense is going to be good, but I think Ramondre right. is going to get the ball. I mean, look, we all love Ramondre last year. I, I was way out in front, too. I, I'm just trying to, you know, make sure there, there's not something that we're missing here. I mean, they he did wear down late in the year. That wasn't great. They, they do have a guy, in, you know, Pierre Strong. Look, I get it. They didn't do crap. And Ramondre's in line for another 300 touches. But I just and and look, the ADP down is good too. But I don't know, man. I, just something weird about it. He did wear down late last year. Um, yeah, I guess by default with the volume, it, it looks good. But I, I don't know, Adam. Do you do you uh, think any other player right now on the roster is going to factor in? I will say James Robinson. He does seem like a Patriots type of a guy. And he does seem like well, he could be really annoying. Well, I, I don't see it that way, John. They just need a number. They don't have a number two running back other than him on the roster. Remember now, it's O'Brien's show. They need a backup for Stevenson. The offense is going to revolve around Stevenson. He, they, they think super highly of him, as I told you last spring. This is a guy, and then really, when I was there for two days in training camp, I mean, that was, he was the talk of training camp. He did a very good year. You could say he wore down. I don't know what. The, I don't know if he had a nagging injury. I don't know what it was. Yeah, he yeah, certainly yeah. didn't look as good. I mean, but it's going to start with him telling me to start with him. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's I don't think that's a hot take, but uh, my man got 72 total rushing yards and four catches for 14 yards. So for the semis in the ship, thank you, Ramondre, for getting us there. But you crapped the bed. You got like six points a game, dude. You know, and I know that because I had him and I died like a dog in the playoffs because of him. Brett, is it possible? That James Robinson, look, dude, scrappy. I mean, the guy gets every inch out there if it's blocked up for him at all. Uh, is it possible that he factors in here and maybe a guy like Pierre Strong comes in and dilutes the water a little bit for Ramondre? I'd say probably not on Robinson. Robinson just seems more of a, a backup candidate for short yardage situations. Pierre Strong, I, I could see them from a skill set standpoint, using him as a change of pace guy. Oh, for he, sure. Lightning fast. But yeah, really other than not. that, I, I I think Ramondre is one of the more complete backs in the NFL. I mean, he's, he's one of the toughest outs in the league, insanely hard guy to tackle. 
He's going to make guys miss. You know, he's going to get yards beyond his blockers. Catches the ball really well. Runs good routes. He's good in pass pro. Like there isn't a thing Stevenson doesn't do well. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't see a, a pressing need for them to kind of mix in another back at a, at a high level. So yeah. Like, well, my, my biggest question with Ramondre John, real quick, is like you know he got 88 targets last year only scored one touchdown i do wonder if bringing in gasicki bringing in a few extra pass catching targets get taekwon thornton going i think that's my only real concern with him is like maybe the targets come down a little bit but i'm i'm more with joe and brett that like the workload the skill everything is there i think if you want to poke holes that would be the one hole i think you can poke it's like maybe the targets come down a little bit because he got so many dump offs last year and i I think ideally they probably don't want as many Ramondre dump offs as last year well let's say it this way then james robinson's a key if if he's looking like really good and getting a lot of buzz i I think that might be a bad sign because i did talk with uh a guy up there andy hart who i i love that guy's really good works for weei up there and he used to work for the patriots publication he does think that james robinson is going to be a factor so we we shall see but just throwing it on out there as someone who was a ramondre stan last year i mean we ranked him freaking 30 spots over the markets and it worked until it didn't uh just throwing it out there moving on here the afc powwow here at fantasypoints.com along with me john hansen joe dolan graham barfield brett whitefield and our guy adam kaplan doing some nfl insidering well we are in the afc north things are looking good with todd monkin uh taking over brett i'll go to you for more of the the football stuff here and monkin is a you know guy's done a lot of different things but clearly they're going to throw it more they're going to spread them out a little bit is this a good fit and and is this almost an upgrade for lamar we know greg roman's all about the run here but i don't know how good greg roman is i'm not a greg roman guy i'm thinking here spread them out here that might make lamar even more deadly yeah i i think it's a phenomenal fit i mean i don't know how many dropbacks more you want to add to Lamar's plate, but they definitely are surrounding him with receivers that are going to help with obviously Zay and Odell. They've got a really good tight end room. So, you know, Monken's play designs are going to benefit Lamar's accuracy issues quite a bit. Um, They're going to get him a lot of, a lot more easier throws, take advantage of his ability to get the ball downfield as well. That said, I, you know, I do have some pause because like, I, you're going to get to a point with Lamar where like, how, how much can we feasibly run this guy? <laughs> you know, and that that's, they, they've got to be, especially with the new contract, like they've, they've got to be considering that. And so I, I don't know, like Roman maximized Lamar's legs. Of course, Monken's not going to do that, but man, I don't, I, I don't know what, what the drop-off looks like for, for Lamar as far as running the ball goes. So, and I think that's a big part of like his fantasy relevance, obviously is yeah, yeah, effectiveness sure. as a runner. So, um, I think it's a good fit to get him going with his arm a little bit more, but it could be at the detriment of of how often he's running the ball. Well, to your point, I actually am only projecting eight and a half carries a game, which is Joe uh, Graham. Any thoughts there? It's uh, it's kind of a low number, but I'm just uh, reacting to the moves that they've made with Monkin and Odell and Zay Flowers. We know they have 17 tight ends from uh, the year before, but what do you think here? Lamar running it 8.5 times per game. 
I think it's fair. Um, I still have him as my as my QB uh, QB five. I have him uh, right ahead of Justin Fields just because I trust Lamar Jackson more. Um, the question I have here is about this receiving core. It, it on, look on on paper we knew they had a bad one last year, at least at the wide receiver position. That's why everybody was in on Rashad Bateman. The question I now have is, and that I'm asking myself is. All right, now they have name value in Odell Beckham and, and Rashad Bateman, and they drafted Zay, Zay Flowers. But how much does Odell Beckham have left? Are we sure Bateman's even good? Right. Because yeah. we, we've gotten two. I, look, he's been hurt. I understand that. But we're not sure he's good. Zay yep. Flowers is a rookie. So the question, they definitely made an effort to improve. The question is, how much will it be improved? That's my biggest concern with, with this receiving core and why maybe push come to shove November, they're just like, screw it. Let's just let Lamar be Lamar. So that that's one of the questions I have. I think it'll be a better receiving group. I'm actually all about drafting especially flowers, but I'm all about drafting these guys where they're coming off the board because nobody really knows what to do with any of them. And they're all super easy to stack with Lamar, but I'm just concerned that the improvements are more on paper than they are in reality. Well, Graham, they could always revert to, you know, 12, 13 personnel if need be based on the damn personnel here. I mean, they got Charlie Kohler is a damn good tight end three along with likely and Mandrews, but your, your thoughts here. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the eight and a half carries per game. I think that sounds about right. We can probably tick a few off. I mean, in general, I mean, we've only had four running, uh, four quarterbacks in the last like 20 years to average over 10 and a half attempts per game. I mean, I, I think that makes sense for Lamar's attempts to come down in the, in the run game. That said, wheels up. I'm, I'm 100% with Brett on Todd Monken in the fit. Look, maybe Odell Beckham doesn't have much left in the tank. Maybe Rashad Bateman's. Uh, not very good. I'm I'm with you on, with on that on that Joe, but like they finally have a three receiver set that's functional and might actually have a little bit of upside. You mix in the fact with Andrews and uh, and Isaiah likely, like you were saying with twelve, like this is a very very diverse passing game they can get to. Keep in mind, Mark Andrews and Isaiah likely are big slot receivers. Basically, Isaiah likely looks like Anquan Bolden out there in terms of the way yeah, he moves. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um. It's wheels up for Lamar. It, this is this is this is the time where he can get back to I think the MVP form we've seen, and it'll come down to whether or not he wears down at the end of the year. And I think that speaks to your broader point about running him a little less. Brett, uh, with Zay Flowers, I personally was a Zay Flowers guy. I I had him at one. I, I love that kid, and I think by December, I know that's late in the year. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's like the one here if Odell's hurt and Bateman's a little up and down here but your thoughts on Flowers' ability to jump right into this league and and make an impact I mean the dude did play four years in college yeah I I like Zay I I was a little lower on him I think the consensus was he was my wide receiver four but he has a lot of really good qualities he reminds me a lot of Golden Tate when Golden Tate was coming out of Notre Dame I don't think Zay is going to have the same success in the deep parts of the field that he did in college I think he's going to be more short and intermediate guy, scheme yeah. touch, screen game, yards after catch kind of guy. But he needs he's going to need to be better in that facet of the game. I, I think there was a lot of yards left on the field with him at Boston College. Now, some of that was he was the only thing Boston College had. So teams, yeah. were, teams were playing to that, obviously. But um, I'm a huge Bateman guy, personally. I, I know you know, we have questions about what he can do. He's, he's kind of missed most of two years so far. But he was a yeah. top he was a top 12 player for me in his class coming out. I, I love his game. 
And I think from a from a tool standpoint, he's got the the most complete skill set to be the guy there in Baltimore. That is very fair. And and this time last year, I like Bateman too. Uh, no question about it. Adam, what what do you think here? That that is a good point. Like we did kind of really like Rashad Bateman last year, and he's a guy who can line up anywhere. I would say probably outside, obviously. But uh, what are your thoughts on Bateman? Uh, look, he he was going to be one of my breakout players, but he, yeah, the the worst of the list front injuries. He had the bad one, the nine month one. So he, he's uh, doing well. He's running, uh, and we'll see how he looks in training camp. So they, they're going to go. Two things you're going to see from them is they're going to go no huddle, and they're going to yeah, see a lot yeah. of spread concepts. This is this is Mocken's background, particularly yep, when yep. he has enough guys to receive. Don't forget Nelson Aguilar was there. No, he's not great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just about to say, Adam, they've got five guys. I mean, if you include Devin Duvernay, who is oh, yeah, who's a, oh, who's yeah. Fine, that's a spread for them last year. I mean, they've yeah. got five guys here that they can so, rotate. Yeah, yeah they've got the spread. ability now to go eleven or twelve whenever they want. If now again, that's if everybody's healthy, and you've got likely an Andrews. So that's a pretty good group. Now the chances are probably slim that these guys will stay healthy, particularly Beckham and Bateman. Really, Beckham—that's the one at thirty. Though I'm told his workout was really good. I know it's only a workout, and you. You, you wonder about the condition of his knees, particularly the yeah. ones that he'll be 31 in the fall to 31. But uh, the, the offensive line is back other than Ben Powers who's in Denver. It's not a big deal. And there, this could this offense actually could be more forward thinking. And I'm, I'm I can't wait to go to the training camp. This is going to be certainly different from Greg Roman's run base. Scheme. Oh, look, they've got Andy Isabella. We're good. We're good, yeah. baby. I was actually at the campus of UMass on a uh, Saturday. Uh where uh, my my oldest son went to college, I was up in that area. I showed my uh, my seventeen uh, year old twins who drove around that campus to see where their brother went to school. Uh, anywho, uh, moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Not a ton here in terms of the questions, but Adam, back to you. Um, I, I did throw this out there this morning on the radio here. You know, a couple of draft picks to add some nice depth there. Your your civis. I uh, still struggle with the kid's name from Princeton who doesn't have great hands. Uh, kind of like that Charlie Jones as a maybe a replacement for uh, Tyler Boyd. But, you know, on the chance, if if I'm the Bengals and I'm Zach Taylor or uh, Duke Tobin or whatever, you know, like I, I'm looking at Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, thinking, man, we may not have this group back, all four of them at the very least. So why not just come out and throw it more this year? And, well, they're, they're going to be – Super heavy, super heavy 11 personnel. Irv Smith in there is a slot tight end. Yeah, bringing him in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, that tells you what they want to do. Their offensive line, John, you know, they've upgraded it. We'll see how it looks. They actually have depth. They, they could go nine deep. So this should probably be Burrow's best offensive line. Things are looking better here. Uh, Mixon, this should be it for him. This should be his last year. Yeah. Uh, watch Chase Brown, whose brother is with the Eagles. They're, they're twins. Watch, watch him. He's a very interesting back in this uh, fifth round of Illinois. Yeah, he's a, he's a fun back. I, I I would not be surprised if he wins the number two job. And now about him being the replacement for Mitchell, I wouldn't go that far. But yeah, he right. has a very good chance to win that number two job. Right? Oh, he, I'm I'm already handing oh, it I'm, to him. I'm, sure. I'm drafting him, John. I'm drafting Chase yeah. Brown. Just in the look, Mixon's been disappointing. Like they they take him off the field in passing situations. There were rumors that they were going to move on from him this off season. There's not a ton of depth there. Chase Brown is just a guy. I th- this he fits the profile of a guy I want to be drafting. It could be in a great offense. Mixing gets hurt, all of a sudden we're looking at a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, Brett with Chase Brown. You know, I watched him in Mobile for a couple of days, and you know, I, I would 
I would not have qualified, called him like a big guy, you know? I mean, but man, I interviewed him at the convoy. My man's upper body was jacked up here. What do you think about uh, Chase Brown? Great kid, by the way. Oh, he, he's as rocked up as it gets, man. Like upper body, super lean, muscular dude, lower body, giant thighs. He looks like a track star, actually. And he was actually yeah. that that uh, translates. But um, he's another one of these guys. You know, we talked about A-Chain, Ebenaconda, and now Chase Brown, where like scheme was really important for him. Like landing spot was really important. He landed in a great spot. Cincinnati kind of got away from outside zone a little bit last year, but it is there. It is what they want to do. It's what they've done in the past and done it well. I think Mixon's lost a little juice, which is why they went away from that outside zone. But Brown has all the juice in the world. So, like, I could really see him taking, you know, that, that RB2 spot and doing really well with it. If they're going to get back to outside zone, I, I love the fit here. Um, yeah, there's a tremendous upside as a, as a fifth-round player, too. Like, it's great. Yeah. yeah. According yeah. to some of Zebra's tracking at the Senior Bowl, Chase Brown had the ha- uh, fastest top speed among all the running. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Cause I'm watching him do that. And then I interview him in person. And I mean, the upper body, I couldn't believe how big he was, you know? Yeah. Like, so he's kind of, that's intriguing. That's good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with Brett. I'll take it a step further. Like I was a humongous Joe Mixon fan um, coming out of college. He popped in yards created. He's obviously been a great fantasy back up until last year, he, he, I mean, his advanced numbers last year were, were borderline awful. I mean, yards after yeah. contact, missed tackles forced. He was dead last in missed tackles forced per, per rush carry, uh, excuse me, per rush attempts. I mean, I don't think Chase Brown's going to come in here and get 180 carries. I just don't think that's going to happen year one, but like there's a very real chance here. Joe Mixon's fantasy value for us is like, basically he's just like Zeke. He's like the goal line back and they don't throw, they don't run very much near the goal line. So I, I'm pretty concerned about Mixon. John, for ranking and projection standpoint though, like it's very hard to not rank Joe Mixon like at like RB20 right now. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing is like, it's still the Bengals offense. They're still a top three team. Like Mixon could easily fall into the end zone eight to 10 times and still be a fine RB2. Well, and, and also my thought on it was that they lose Samaje P. Ryan, who got 51 targets last year. You know, Mixon caught 60 balls. I mean, between the two of them, they caught 100 balls. So I'm yeah. thinking Chase Brown will get triple-digit carries. I wonder if this is the year we see Chris Evans in a little bit of the passing role. He was in that role in Michigan. Uh, that's like really the only thing he did at Michigan. Uh, he missed a year 20. I think it was the 2020 year he missed, but in 2019, he was like a passing down back for them. They've been, you know, they've kept him around. They kept Trevion Williams around too. It'll be a full on competition. I think between those three, but Chase Brown, absolutely talent wise has the, the upper hand on those three. Yeah. I, I don't know what to think of Chris Evans because, you know, I'm talking to people, uh, our guy, Jeff Hobson, who works for the Bengals website, you know, in, in, insider type, you know, he thought he told me they loved him uh, two yeah. years ago and then they gave him like literally seven touches last year. So well, Sam- I think Samaje was one of those guys that like really popped for them and they loved yeah. pass protection. Mixon, yeah. Mixon can't pass protect. That has never been his thing. Even in college, he was not a good. Right. Pass right. And, and some guys, Offensive coaches just don't really have a good handle on how to use, a, you know, a guy like that, you know, where you're going to throw him three balls a game and give him maybe two carries a game. Let's move on here. The AFC North in the fantasy points, AFC Town Hall. Uh, oh, Joe Burrow is good, by the way. We all know that. So is Jamar Chase. Oh, real quick. 
Is anyone with me on Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson this year at one overall? Just because, just because the momentum is in his favor. He fits the exact profile of Jefferson last year, 23 years old, entering year three with two good seasons. I know the availability stuff. My, uh, is anyone with me on that? My only pushback, John, is that T. Higgins is also like really good and stuff. Uh, yeah, and when, when Higgins, when Higgins is healthy, Chase and Chase and Higgins' production is pretty similar. I will say Jamar Chase was out there like Greg Jennings in Madden on that YouTube video out there with a broken leg. He had a broken hip <laughs> last year and he was still balling. Yeah. I mean, the dude broke, he had a broken hip and he still like did not miss a beat. So, right. I mean, he's a dog. There's no doubt yeah, about yeah. it, but T Higgins is too. Yeah. Well, it'll come down to touchdowns. I mean, would yeah. anyone be surprised if Jamar Chase scored 19 touchdowns this year? He could, that's the thing is like Higgins and Chase could have very similar receptions and yards. Maybe Chase has a lot, you know, a little higher uh, yards per reception, but like Chase could score 14, 15 touchdowns. Yeah, John, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if Jamar Chase outscores Justin Jefferson this year. I just think yeah. logically Jefferson's the call just because of the questions with, with Minnesota that you don't have with, with Cincinnati uh, at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm feeling it though, man. I it just, it's just the way life is, you know? I mean, I said this about Debo last year and you that's know, I freaking, I freaking yeah. love Debo. Yeah. That's the thing is like chase is absolutely going to be the wide receiver one certain years. Like these guys for the next couple of yeah. years are going to keep trading yeah. off. Chase will eventually get one. And I'm, I'm with you. This, this could be the year. I think it's yeah. close. And is Justin Jefferson, Adam, really getting 183 targets again i mean that's a big number it'll be hard yeah it'll certainly be hard but i don't think much is going to change in terms of what they're going to have to do to win they're going to have to throw the ball to win well that's true too that helps yeah addison's there i mean he's a favorite of a lot of receivers coaches i talked to it'll be jefferson the one thing we have to remember is hawkinson is now there full-time where he wasn't last year we used how much factor he was Absolutely. Josh Oliver went from like just being a pass catcher to a blocker. You know, he's one of the better blocking tight ends nobody knows about. So right. Hawkinson will catch the ball. And now Osborne will be the three. Jalen Rager's still there. And we'll see about Cook. And Madison signed a pretty significant backup deal. He'll be the, he'll be the guy if they move on from Cook in Minnesota. But we'll get back to the AFC. By the way, I, I did fail to cover for a previous team, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, I am all in. This is the year for J.K. Dobbins. I've actually never, up in, other than 2020 or whatever the year he got hurt in the preseason, I was pretty much all in that year. But I was not the rookie year, and I was not last year on, on Dobbins. But I am all in. Like, this is it. Last chance, really the only chance for him probably to get a big-time payday. Uh, are we all in on Dobbins? I think by default, you kind of have to be. Um, last year, I was completely out. I just was not drafting him at all after that injury. Right. Um, the first couple of games he tried to play, he was not himself. And then he came back in December, and he looked really good. Like, not all the way back, but really, really good. And now he's going to have a full year to recover. Uh, my biggest question, I'll kick it back to Adam, is like, they've got to bring another back in here, right? I mean, they can't go into the year with just Gus Edwards as their two and Justice Hill as their three. Yeah, they they certainly could use one more guy just for depth, a veteran journeyman type. But Dobbins will be the guy. Just I mean, I, there, there's no competition there. Edwards is not competition. He's going to fell off. No, no, uh, no. And Dobbins, if they throw it more, fact, Dobbins can catch if it. You recall with Dobbins, one thing I want to add: he was super pissed off at. I guess Roman 
because he felt great around in midseason. And then he'd get in and then he'd pull him. And he, he just he didn't understand it. Now, one other thing we should add here. This is a John, this goes back to this the final year of the contract theory, which we it started to hit last year. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a big year. This is his final year. Does that a ton of motivation? He's healthy. He looked good, as as uh, Graham said, a close the season. I would I, now all in. Where's he going in draft so far? Oh, and that's part of it. But you know, the running backs are getting pushed down the board. So right. underdog fantasy, um, fifty eight. It's round. Yeah, it's like the end of the fifth round, sixth yeah. round. He'll sneak good. into the, the sixth round. You can get him as your RB two. I mean, I mean that's good. Yeah, even yeah. if they bring in another guy and he only gets like 220 carries, like he could, yeah, he can get there on 220 carries. Uh, yeah, that's why I wouldn't say I'm all in. You don't have to be. Yeah. Like, like it, well, it's yeah. it's kind of funny. Like, I, I have him like lower than you do, John, but I still have him above what ADP is. And it's right. it's, it's yeah. one of the reasons underdog, and I'm sure you'll cover this in your in your underdog draft plan. Yeah. Um, like, it's almost stupid now. Like, you almost right. have to go with the flow and draft you wide receivers. You have because to. the running backs are just so freaking cheap. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have never in my life drafted three wide receivers to open a draft. Never. Yeah. And I wrote already, uh, the article will be done today, by the way, and uh, we'll get it up later in the week. But I actually wrote that I'm willing to do it. First time in yeah. my life. Let's move on here uh, back to the Cleveland Browns here. The AFC Town Hall at FantasyPoints.com. This is where we all gather up post-draft. And just just chop it up, and you know, talk talk some stuff out. We've already got the projections up at fantasypoints.com. Um, I'll make some tweaks if anything comes to the surface here. Uh, but Cleveland Browns, I, I by the way, with all in on Dobbins, I what I meant was I'm all in on him as being like I'm planting the flag. That's one of my top five running back targets this year is Dobbins. Um, John, if they don't real quick, I know we, we're trying to move on, but like if they don't add a back. Dobbins is going to be one of my RB2 targets. Like there's very few guys at RB2 that I really target every year and Dobbins will be one of them. Like I think yeah, it, I mean I think I'm structurally speaking I'm always with you. Like I always want a stud RB1. I want to have one guy that I can count oh, yeah. on every single week. If that I, RB2 spot is different though. Like I'm fine streaming that, but if Dobbins yeah. is going to stay in that 5th 6th round slot and I can you're telling me I can get my RB1 and two or three receivers and then get Dobbins like I'm I'm going to be all about that. And by the way, when Dobbins is going off the board, this is, you know, through me looking into everything for the plan. I'm like, I don't like the receivers. Exactly. Yeah. All, all the yeah, good ones are already taken. Yeah, that's that range where it's like yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, Mike Evans. Mike Williams. Poke, yeah, you can poke holes in all those guys. I don't like any big Mike this year. If you're big and your name's Mike, <laughs> I don't like you. Mike Williams, uh, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. Uh, anyway, moving on to the Cleveland Browns here. I, again, I'm very high on everything. I love the O-line continuity with Stefanski and Van Pelt. You know, Watson's my number one quarterback target in terms of an ROI. We all love Elijah Moore like a son. Amari Cooper was really good. Tillman, I met at the Combine. Great kid. I mean, what what is there I like in Joku? I, I mean, I'm all in here on these Browns. I mean, does anyone have any... Uh, brush back on that notion. No, I mean, yeah, it's... the only brush back I have, John, and and like there's so many caveats here is Watson was so freaking bad last year, but there's there's obviously just a million caveats there. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the, the main caveats for me is like the dude didn't play football for two years. 
Yeah. Like there's a, that's a very real thing, very real thing that he switched offense coordinators, switched teams, a whole brand new receiving core. Um, I'm, I'm back in on Watson. I mean, you, you know, he was a top five quarterback before, you know, everything happened in Houston. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he ever gets back to that. I don't know if he ever gets right. back to being a top a five guy. But you look at the surrounding talent, you look at the continuity, you look at Stefanski. I mean, this system is set up for him to, to really have a great year. I still can't believe how good Watson was in 2020. It's been three years. I still can't believe it because it started out slow. I'm like, oh, boy, this is – and then he just dominated from the pocket with 30-plus tutty, 70% completion rate. Brett, any thoughts on these Browns here? Are you uh, Are you in? Are you a skeptic? Uh, a lot of continuity here, a lot to work with. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like the Browns. I think my big concern has already been mentioned. That's Deshaun Watson. Like Jacoby Brissett was significantly better than he was last year, and yeah. they don't have him on the roster anymore. So, uh, yeah. you know, obviously Watson, they, they've committed a, a Brinks truck load of money to him. So, uh, but yeah, he's got to get it back. If he doesn't get it back, this is going to all be for naught. It's a Adam, few Brinks and- trucks. It's a few Brinks trucks, Brad. It's it's yeah. there's multiple here. Adam, anyone? In your recollection, uh, recollection, like, well, I guess Carson Wentz. I, I was going to say lose it, you know, at 27. Yeah, Wentz is completely different. It, it, right. it was passing mechanics. It was coach of it being willing to be coach and all that. He just did it completely different here. Watson was incredible. People, I know that the Texas defense, John, you remember how non-competitive they were? Yeah. That's why people were lost on, on Watson in 2020. He was phenomenal. Then you fast forward it now. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to throw the ball 10 times more per game, but Watson threw the ball, I think, let about 20 times per game. That's going to go up. It's going to go 30, 30 oh, yeah. 35 times per game. Oh, this yeah. Year. And by the uh, way, by the way, Adam, real quick, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of that. I, I feel like their lack of moves at running back speaks to them throwing more this year. Uh, maybe, but they, they can't get rid of Nick Chubb, so they're going to have to run. But you, you don't oh, yeah. spend all this yeah. money and not – let Deshaun Watson throw the football. He's not right, there football offseason. Yeah. We're used to Kareem Hunt getting 150 touches in the backfield. Yeah. I don't think anyone is doing that other than Chubb. So No, I, think- I told you last year Ford will eventually be the backup to Chubb. And that, that that's now we're there. So he'll be the backup. But the big story here is Cedric Tillman. You watch, if you've got him in a dynasty league, he's going to start opposite Cooper. If it's not this year, it'll be the following year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they'll now the good thing about Moore is he can line up at three receiver positions. So yeah. they have actually really good depth between Cooper, Peoples Jones oh, is still yeah. there, finally for rookie deal. Moore, Tillman, really when David Bell, I know is didn't really do much. And then good when, dude, when, man, he is a the rock solid guy. Yeah, so like, see, this doesn't run I very know, well. I right? know. And then you got just to finish this off, let's get through this. And Joku and a- Jordan Akins, who's got to be like forty years old now, who could run. Yeah, this is going to be more of a fast-break offense. I I know Stefanski hasn't done this before, but the personnel will tell you that you have to do that. Let's go over to the Pittsburgh Steelers and another team where I'm I'm in. Uh, Now, I'm optimistic, very much so. I don't know if I'm, like, loving, you know, George Pickens and uh, Fryermuth, for example, at their ADPs. I I will say that, but – I'm I don't get it with Kenny Pickett. I understand the man through like freaking nine touchdown passes. I I know. I know it's bad, but uh 
hello, he's due. That's what I would say after he rolled with a freaking 1.8% touchdown rate last year. That's awful. That I mean brutally bad. So I think I think we're looking good with 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 Kenny Pickett. Um I again I, I don't think there's gonna be 30 touchdown passes to go around. So I, I, I actually don't love, love, love uh you know anyone really uh, other than Najee. But um any thoughts on Allen Robinson? Graham, I'll go to you. It, you know, what what is he going to contribute? Is he going to help or is he just gonna be you know, paying the butt who dilutes things for Deontay and Pickens. I I think last year we know exactly what Allen Robinson has left, and I think he's basically just a red zone threat at this point in his career. Um, this is a super weird passing offense because, like, on paper, Deontay, Pickens, Fryermuth all fit really well together, and you throw Robinson yeah. in there as, like, the red zone guy. They all fit well together. My biggest question here is this offense coordinator, Matt Canada. I mean – Guys, I, I'm not – look, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches of all time. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know a tenth of the ball that Mike Tomlin knows. But Matt Canada was uh, – well, it was it was a rough watch last year. Um, I, know, I know. I think that's that's a part of the reason that Pickett's efficiency was so bad. I mean, how many games did, did George Pickens get like a target on the first drive and then you wouldn't hear from him until the fourth quarter? I mean, look, I, I realize that he's a prototypical – 1980s throwback x classer clasher receiver he's just a vertical guy he's not going to win on a ton of slants and stuff but like throw the rock to this guy like just throw it throw it up to him and it's like we have to beg canada to just use his receivers in the way that they win and like i, I don't know I, i'm not i'm just not there on this offense like you outside of nashi yeah yeah i mean again i I freaking love Pickett last year, and he did literally everything I thought he was going to do. So, I mean, it's like I can only default to assuming some growth here. But, yeah, no, Canada's the buzzkill. There, there's absolutely no doubt about it. They might get some contributions from Calvin Austin, too. That, that'll help here. Brett, when you look at the, you know, the fantasy points data aspect of Najee Harris, and you want to work in the O-line, that's great, because I think that, you know, he's a kind of a winner coming out of the draft, adding Darnell Washington and Broderick Jones here. But, you know, was there anything with the numbers on Najee? I mean, he was dealing with that uh, foot injury. We're not going to get the targets that we got with Big Ben, but I am in on Najee this year. Yeah, Najee, so, you know, he started the season with the injury, did not look great early in the year, and then I thought slowly kind of got back to himself as the year went on. He... You know, that line was so bad. When you actually look at his efficiency numbers, like for things within his control, they were really close to what he did as a rookie. Like mm. not much actually changed. So I think this, this, the talent is still there. It's just they mass, they needed a massive upgrade on the O-line or in the run block scheme in general. So yeah. um, I, I felt I think, like they got they came together, though, the O-line down the stretch a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So, they, you know, last year they brought in like Mason Cole and uh, James Daniels, two guys that like can pretty much only play in zone scheme. For whatever reason, Pittsburgh tried to not play, not you know, use zone concepts with the run game early in the year last year, and then as they they slowly kind of transitioned to a more zone heavy scheme, they started tagging a lot of read option onto their run plays um, for Pickett, and that kind of opened things up for them a little bit. And they they did gel a little bit as they went to a zone heavier run run, run scheme there. Yeah, do you exactly. like Pitt? Do you like Pickett? Sorry, Graham. Do you like Pickett? Um, you know, I don't think he's bad. I think the things he struggled with last year were predictable, like. My big knocks on him are he can't he struggles pushing the ball outside the numbers downfield. Uh, there, there's Pickens' issues right there. Is like 
you want him to, to throw the ball down there more, but he really can't. Like, it's not his strength. Yeah. And then, two, he doesn't play within the structure of the offense super well. I think that's what the Allen Robinson trade is all about for them. Is like he's, I think Robinson's going to play in the slot for them. He's right. going to be the, the short part of the field, middle part of the field. And the whole goal of Robinson for them is just to get Pickett on schedule. Let's get him throwing, hit that back foot, get rid of the ball, and get him playing on schedule. And then the other stuff should open up for him as he gets better at that. I think that's the whole goal of Allen Robinson, though. That's a good way to frame that. And then maybe a little fryer mute there as well here. Adam, uh, do you have any concerns about Jalen Warren at all? Like, is Jalen Warren going to be, you know, they're talking about maybe a little bit of a one-two punch there in that backfield. Could he maybe get a few more touches than people think? Yeah, I mean, it could. But, again, it's a, it's a Najee Harris show. One thing I would add, uh, talking to people, Coach Allen Robinson, to work with him, he's got outstanding short area quickness. It may not time well, but guys who have coached him tell me that they like him in that short area. It's, it's what Brett was talking about. Now, Austin obviously is a guy they have to take a look at. He didn't play last year because he was hurt. And I know he could play on the outside. He showed that the senior ball, but he really, because he's small, he needs to play inside. But Robinson's a taller slot. Austin's a smaller slot. Robinson, as we know, has been an X receiver. He just gives him a possession receiver, a leadership guy in the twilight of his career. See, John, if they just had a better coordinator, this could be a top five, top seven offense with with, with this yeah. with this yeah. pass target group. It's with Frymuth, John, uh, Deontay, Pickens, A-Rob, Calvin Austin. I mean, that's that's a really good five. It's a shame. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, anything uh, else, Graham? Yeah, the one thing I wanted to add about Najee last year, I was a huge, huge Najee fan coming out of college. Uh, the Steelers lied to us last year. Uh, they said that Najee had like a f- – he got stepped on in August in, in one of their training camps, and, oh, he's right. fine. Right. Uh, turns out he had a list Frank injury. He had, a, he had a freaking foot sprain that he was dealing with all throughout August and September. Um, and if you just like, I'm a, I'm a big believer, especially at running back, and especially for a player like Najee, who's a bigger guy, bigger body guy, and any loss of, of juice is, is big for him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of, injury dis, of injury discounts, and Najee, I think, is one of the best injury discounts in recent memory. I mean, the guy Dude, is, yeah. he's a, he was a blue chip prospect. I think he was a borderline blue chip prospect at running back. And now he's going in the fourth round. I mean, I just see him as old school, like available, like 17 games, check, check. First two years, all kinds of touches, injuries, check. I show up for work. Uh, Would it it not surprise you if he led the league in touches this year? I mean, no running back in the world has more running back and more touches than Najee the last two years. Like he's number one. yeah. Yeah. He was number one the year before. And then you add up the two years, he's number one uh, in the in the league. Houston Texans over in the AFC South, obviously transitioning with uh, D'Amico uh, Ryans and Bobby Slowick, uh, C.J. Stroud, a lot, lot of moving parts here. There's no doubt. I mean, you could argue that uh, the Texans upgraded everywhere. Uh, head coach, coaching staff, quarterback, backup running back, wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line. I mean, I believe that's everywhere. Uh, Brett, I'll go to you with when we try and navigate and handicap the receiving core. You've got the big perimeter guy in Collins. You've got the gadgety guy in Tank Dell. Um, but then you have John Mechie, who I think is just 
the best overall option and can line up in all three spots. Is that fair? I know he's done nothing, but John Mechie, I think, is the best option for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, Mechie profiles a guy who can play inside or out. When you look at the construction of the rest of their core, like Nico Collins is like probably an X only. Robert Woods, yeah, Robert Woods at this stage of his career is probably best served in the slot. Um, and then Tank Dell's a slot player. Noah Brown's probably a, a best served in the slot as well. So Mechie is really the only guy that has the versatility that you're going to look for to build an offense around. And, right. I, you know, to the moon with him. I, I love that. My guy, Bobby Slowick, former colleague of mine at PFF, um, love Bobby. He has his work cut out for him taking all of these collection of parts and putting it together and making it work in his first, uh, I would say his first big boy job in the NFL. So shout yeah, well, out to Bobby. I hope he does well. Hope he does well. And you know, if he has any, uh, you know, blue, which I know he does, he'll love John Mechie because that, that kid is awesome. What a great personality and good, good on the field. I mean, you know, I talk with him about the precision of the route running and all that. And he's talking about how, you know, it's Alabama. They're pushing one another. Very good route runner. Ironically, he's a lot got a lot of Robert Woods in him. Um, Adam, are you worried at all about Devin Singletary disrupting things for Damian Pierce? I'm actually not. I, I think not they, really. they don't have a they don't yeah. have a three. They don't they have without him. They don't have a two or three. So Singletary would be that guy, and he showed that he can't handle the load in the fourth quarter. They you know the Bills were frustrated, so they moved on. No, not really. It'll be. It's Pierce's one, Singletary's a two, Boone will be a three, and that's it. And and uh, that that's when you look at Houston, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Robert Woods last year was clearly not ready to come back from the ACL injury. And I'll tell you what, they gar- fully guaranteed it signing nine and a half million, which is insane. The Texans did. I know they had a lot of money to spend. They they have a, their cash spend had to be up by NFL rules over a three year period, so they overpaid for Robert Woods. He's there. He's a possession guy. He doesn't run that well anymore because he. He's in his 30s. He's got, the, he's got the ACL. But being that he's John, I'd be careful. I, I'm not saying Mechie can't lead them at receiver. But, man, the, the money that they're paying Robert Woods is yeah. absurd. Yeah. Bobby Slow, okay. I, talking to someone who's worked with him, he's a great kid, younger guy. I remember his dad as a coach. But this is a big step up for him. This is a, like a really big right. step up. Yeah. Well, always worth noting the, the contract. Uh, that That's a factor, no doubt. Um Back to Pierce, though, I just think everything's better. Better quarterback situation. The, they use the pick on Scruggs here to upgrade the old line. Better receiving core. Better coaching staff. So, you know, I, I'm still more than fine with Pierce. But but some of you guys seem to – Graham, Joe, maybe uh, you seem to be a little bit worried about Singletary disrupting things. I still think there's room for 17, 18 touches a game for Pierce with Singletary here. I'm yeah. taking Pierce the – sorry, Graham. Yeah, no, I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm taking Pierce pretty much the exact same place I was taking him last year, fourth, okay, fifth yeah. round. I have him, I have him RB20. Um, I think you can argue that's a little low. Um, I, I have him right behind Joe Mixon right now. I have him behind uh Kenneth Walker and Dobbins. I might move Walker down depending on how vibes go, but I I think I'm taking him the exact same spot. And last year, I thought he paid off his ADP and kind of was and did that. He wasn't yeah. He wasn't yeah. like a league winner. He just right, he right. was a good roster filler at his spot where he was getting drafted. Yeah, no doubt. Graham? I, I was just going to say, Pierce was one of my guys last year. I think Brett and I were like the only people in the world, maybe, who had him at RB3 after Ken Walker and Brees Hall. Uh, 
Yeah, like you said, Pierce is up and down. We've got the 220 carries last year. Obviously, you know, uh, my biggest thing, John, I think I said this to you a couple weeks ago, is like Devin Singletary is a, rep- a replacement level running back, but he is much yeah. better than Rex Burkett, and he will find a way to get on the field. I think that's my biggest thing with Pierce this year is like, you look back through once he got the full-time role last year, and he was a borderline bell cow, 78, 75% of the snaps. Oh, I think yeah. this year, I think this year you could maybe touch that back a little bit to like 60, yeah. 35. And that's just enough to be like, okay, Pierce goes from being like a rock solid RB2 to like maybe he's a little more up and down. I, I think, Brett, real quick, we'll end with you. I, I feel like uh Singletary will get two to three carries a game or series a game to keep Pierce, not not overexpose him. I don't know about the passing down work. Maybe they split that up here, but do you have any thoughts on a Singletary potentially disrupting Damian Pierce? That's what I'm most worried about, John, is the the passing down stuff. Um, Pierce looks like a guy who can do it for sure, but Singletary has played in a really pass-heavy offense, and right. for a smaller guy, he's decent in pass protection. He can catch yeah. the ball well, so right. I do worry that he's going to you know, take snaps and touches away yeah. from Pierce and, and yeah. that part of the game. But other than that, he doesn't hold a candle to Pierce's ability in the run game. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we could argue too. I mean, point taken about Singletary coming from a pass happy offense, but I would also argue he's not that, wasn't that great. And right. in that, and as a receiver in that offense here, let's move on to the Indy Colts here, the AFC town hall at fantasypoints.com. Shane Sykin taking over, Anthony Richardson. We already know that he's well in the mix to play. I mean, there's not a ton here uh, to go over, honestly. We were talking, Adam, earlier, and you asked me the question, do they have enough to support Richardson? And, you know, they're a little thin depth-wise. And I do think Pierce and Pittman are a little redundant maybe, but um, Pierce can run a little bit better, I guess. But between Josh Downs, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, that is not bad at all. The answer is, I believe they have enough to support the rookie, Anthony Richardson. Your thoughts, Mr. Adam Kaplan, first and foremost. Will we get a tight end that we can actually use? I mean, Jelani Woods would be the sexy one here to look at. Mo Alley-Cox is their Y, so he's he's the guy they've they've had for many years. They like him in that that position, and Woods will be the move guy. Um, Yeah. there's enough there. The only thing, getting back to Richardson, that's obviously the major story with this football team, is when will he be ready? Remember, he only started one year. This front office, their jobs are on the line here. they got to get this one right. They're not going to rush him. And as I understand it, one of the big reasons why Minshew signed with the Colts is he, not that he would know they were going to draft Richardson, but his intel would tell him that he might have a chance to get some starts in, and that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how many? No one has any idea. They won't know whether Richardson will be ready until probably mid-August. Now, if he if he's got the right attitude and and he he meshes well with his staff and Jim Bob Cooter and Shane Steichen work with um, Jalen Hurts in Philly, particularly Steichen, they're gonna they're gonna run a similar philosophy. They'll come out throwing early. That's what Shane said on the record, and and he, he got that from Philly. That's the way you win. And I expect this to be an aggressive passing game. It may not show that with the talent there, but Steichen's a super aggressive play caller. Like, that's coming from the Eagles. That's one of the things they really liked about him. They didn't know that because he wasn't as aggressive with the Chargers, but it does help because the Eagles believe in coming out throwing. I expect it to happen, and, and, and Taylor will get his touches, but mostly in the second half. 
I don't know who he's going to be aggressively throwing to. I mean, you don't you don't have AJ Brown, Devontae. Scheme the hell out of it open. That's what you do. You scheme it open. That's that's yeah, what yeah. Steichen and Shabab Cooter will do. A little weird, Brett. Thinking um, we're likely opening the season with Richardson. Maybe not week one or two, but you know we're going to get him in there probably in September. Uh, and yet we're going to throw to throw early to grab a lead. I mean, that, that would be a little weird with Richardson, right? I mean, uh, you would think, uh, you know, put the training wheels on uh, and run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. But what do, what are your thoughts here on the landing spot and the immediate impact for Richardson in Indy? I mean, Richardson landing with Steichen is a match made in heaven, considering what he did with Jalen Hurts. I think throwing early is fine with Richardson because of the way Steichen will do it. It's, he's not yeah. just dropping back on a seven-step drop and sit him right. back out there, you know, having to read – you know, multiple progressions and defensive yeah. coverages. He's not going to do that. It's going to be, you know, RPO, read option heavy, play action heavy, where, right. you know, you're putting that second level defenders in conflict constantly. And um, I like the receiving core. I, I was a huge Alec Pierce guy coming out last year. He was my wide receiver five yeah. or six. Don't remember. Yeah. Had a, a fringe first round grade on him. They took him in wow. the second. I liked him too. I mean, I remember yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't a big downs guy this year, but when you look at what Pierce and Pittman bring to the table, I mean, that's a perfect fit for Downs because he really is probably only going to be able to play in the slot in the NFL yeah. and yeah. two towers on the outside. To, so the, those guys weren't really going to move to the slot anyways. So uh, Downs sliding it. And then Isaiah McKenzie, they brought him from Buffalo. I, I wonder if he holds off Downs at all in the slot, um, at least early in the season. But either way, I, I like the – I like uh, for a, a rookie quarterback to fall into this landing spot, it's a better situation than a lot of rookies have had over the last yep. few years. Um, mm-hmm. So I will say that. Start. I like the way Steichen's going to call plays, and I think that pass first mentality is going to is going to be fine for Richardson, considering how he's going to design those plays. Joe Graham, any, anyone have any interest in Jelani Woods? I mean, normally this guy fits a profile of oh, okay, yeah. second year guy. Just took him uh, in my dynasty rookie draft, where he was a free agent at the FFPC, which is tight end premium. He's now my fourth tight end, and yeah, he fit. I actually said during December of last year that I was going to have Chigakonkwo and Jelani Woods on a ton of 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 best ball teams in 2023. It seems like everybody was with me on a Conquo and nobody was with me on Jelani Woods. But this yeah. is a talented kid, and and he is abs. He is just free in drafts. I would rather probably take him as a third tight end than take yeah. like a ninth wide receiver. That's a good third tight end for sure on underdog, I, even though, I, and I say that as a Will Mallory guy, but they didn't use a fifth, they used a fifth pick on him only. And Kylan Granson needs to go away. Uh, but moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and, you know, an, another kind of, we're good situation here with with not a lot of uh, conflict or you know potential pitfalls and landmines, you know with the offensive line in decent shape. Evan Ingram brought back, Strange added as a, an interesting backup and long term guy. The the most intriguing situation. Well, there's two obviously Calvin Ridley, but I'm gonna go right to the backfield. Brett uh, Tank Bigsby, very cool name. And to me, he does stand out as like, this guy could get early down opportunities right away. I do not feel good about ETN this year, but talk about Tank Bigsby here. Tank Bigsby's a three down back. Um, I, I wrote my, my pro, I know, I'm just saying, I, in my profile, yeah. I wrote up on him. If, if you're looking for a guy in this draft that could be a bell cow that's not named B. John Robinson, Tank Bigsby is that guy. Wow. Uh, they draft him with a third round pick. 
doesn't seem like they like ETN too much in the pass game. And I, I, I think maybe that's where Bigsby makes his impact first is in the past. Wow. Well, they do, like they do like hasty. They do like hasty. I mean, we'll see about that, I guess. Yeah. Well, I just, when, when you put on the tape and watch Bigsby run routes, he was criminally underused in college as a pass catcher. And I think he, I think he's a legit mismatch guy opportunity against linebackers in the past game. Um, this isn't a guy you have to only, you know, use check downs and screen game to get him the ball. Like he can actually go out there and win one-on-one against, you know, bigger safeties and linebackers and something they obviously don't trust ETN to do. So um, I think that's, that's where his impact comes first. And then, you know, depending on how ETN season unfolds, maybe he chips into the, the carries there as well. Well, talk about ETN while you're talking, because I, you know, I was very high on him. We, we were way ahead of the markets, and I actually kind of feel like I got a little lucky um, with it. I mean, it was up and down. There were moments where like, oh, wow, okay. But I don't know. I mean, it just seemed to be disjointed. It, it just didn't seem to be a normal, you know, kind of breakout year. I'm still shocked that he only caught 35 balls. But what were your thoughts on uh, ETN? Yeah, when he was coming out, I loved him as a prospect. Um, you know, his from analytically speaking, he was a good receiver and a good and a good runner, very explosive runner. But when you actually go watch his tape, his last year at Clemson, he wasn't actually a good receiver. <laughs> they, they they basically brought him back. Dabo brought him back just to throw him the ball, just so he could put that on his resume. But he was catching swing passes and checkdowns and yeah. screens. He wasn't out there running routes. It's evident when you watch him in the NFL that that's just not something he's very good at. Uh, yeah. He's got decent hands. He's fine. And he's an explosive player. So ideally you could get him the ball in space. He should be productive. It just hasn't really happened in the past game for him as a runner though. He, he had a little bit of the Kenneth Walker syndrome last year where it was like boomer bust. It's like yeah. either he's ripping off a 50 yarder or he's getting tackled for minus five. It just, just never really felt consistent. I think that's why he disappeared in some games just because they couldn't get it going sometimes and eventually yeah. you just have to go away from it. So yeah, um, I, I think that probably disappointed them. He This regime did not pick him either. I think that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Adam can tell us more about how they feel about him, but it seems like that they're kind of just more milk toast with him than than the obviously Urban Meyer was when he picked them. Yeah, I kind of disagree. I kind of disagree. I think ETN was awesome last year, and I think he fits exactly what they want to do in their run game. I think this is a pass-first team. I think especially with Ridley added now, Ridley is a massive upgrade on Marvin Jones. Uh, They're going to be a pass-first team. I think ETN is basically like the change-up as the runner, and he has got a lot of juice, man. The juice was fully back last year, two full years removed off the foot injury. Um, I think he's I think he's still like a perfect fit for what Peterson does. You go back and watch some of their run game scheme last year. I mean, Peterson did such a freaking phenomenal job at running the ball against light boxes. Like they would spread out and then run the ball against light boxes. They're going to continue to do that. Uh, I think ETN is going to be a really solid runner. But Brett, your points on the passing game work for fantasy, like that's that's the big thing. Is like. He's never going to be anything close to what people thought he could be coming out of college where he's coming out here and running Texas routes and shaking defenders. Like, that's just not that's not him. But he is a fantastic fit in this run game. And, I mean, I keep going back to midseason when Lawrence was starting to pick up. There was a couple of games in there, guys, where ET, ETM was getting 24, you know, 25 carries to salt games away. I don't think they want him doing that again. I think that's why they picked Hank Bigsby. They didn't have a, a good number two. Um, I, I still think ETN's a lock for like 17, 18, 19 carries a game. And you just live with the fact that the passing down work is probably never going to be what we want it to be. But all of that being said, like he's still the lead back on, 
on one of the best offenses for fantasy in, in the league. Like I, I still want him. You're taking him at RB12 that early? I have him ranked right there. I have him ranked right ahead of Brees Hall coming uh, coming off the knee injury. You could sell me on Brees over ETN for sure. Uh if you right, can right. if you can tell me Brees is healthy. Uh, yeah. it's May May 17th. Um, yeah, for, for like this season for fantasy, I think ETN is priced right at his ceiling at RB 12 in like that third round pocket. Right. So might, might end up being a little overvalued here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying as a player and is like the way he fits in this offense, I still think he's, I, it's, he's the perfect back for this offense. Well, it's a good thought to add some sort of, uh, you know, contrarian angle on things because, you know, we don't want to be stuck in the group think, you know, like a, a lot of people got stuck in group think last year that and we all did on like Miles Sanders and some of these other contract year guys um, who, who did a lot better than expected. Well, moving on here. Um, well, anything else on Jacksonville? Uh you know, I think Trevor Lawrence is this year's Joe Burrow in that, like, let's not overthink it. This is yeah. a complete slam dunk, you know, like a lot of volume, a lot of, you know, weapons, you know, and, and the running, you know. But but real quick, when you look at Lawrence, like, I don't think we're getting any better in the running department, but that was pretty good. He had five rushing touchdowns. But, like, his YPA can go up. I mean, there's room to grow there, and his touchdown percentage not that great, Graham. So you're Mr. Jaguar and Mr. Lawrence. So I'm thinking higher YPA with Ridley and, you know, some more touchdowns. Uh, all of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence is now like a, a juggernaut for fantasy. Yeah, my biggest thing after rookie, after Lawrence's rookie year is like, if you, I always said, if you go back and watch the end of his rookie season, like he was, he was getting there, right? My question was like, one, what were these receivers going to look like? Could Christian Kirk take a big step? Could Zay Jones take a big step? And the answer was not only yes, it, it was like resoundingly yes. And Lawrence also made them better. So here's my question is like, how good does this offense become now with Calvin Ridley? They have, they have an actual boundary receiver who can win inside, outside. I think Zay is a, a really good underrated deep threat. And Christian Kirk can do a little bit of everything. It'll, it'll kick him back naturally into the slot role. He was in the slot all last year anyway, but he's going to be there strictly full-time this year. My thing is, John, is like every single year we've got four or five teams that have not just like top two, top 30 fantasy receivers from the same team, but two top 24 guys. You know, sure. last year it was the Bengals, uh, the Dolphins, the Eagles did it. Uh, this year, I think it'll be Ridley and Kirk. I think these guys are two top 24 fantasy receivers on a top five pass heavy offense with the quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, who, like you said, the touchdown rate, the YPA could all come up this year. Oh, by the way, the Jags defense still stinks too. They're going to give up a ton of points. I think this is just a, it's like, you know, it's a fantasy carnival team. I always try to find one fantasy carnival team. Last year, the Lions were that team. I wanted all the players from that team uh, just because their defense was going to be so bad. We love their offensive skill guys. And I think the Jags are kind of that team this year. Let's move on and hit up the Titans who might have the worst wide receiver core in the history of organized football, but we do have our guy, Chiggy Aconquo. Red, I know you were not a Traylon Burks guy last year, neither was I, but I kind of like him this year. I know that, you know, the early, early vibes are good. You know, he's in a much better place than he was last year at this time. Obviously, they need him. Uh, you know, Tim Kelly's okay. 
you know, decent proven track record. And look, you need production. You need a playmaker. And Burks is a big physical guy who's got talent here. Uh, are you are you considering Traylon Burks this year uh, at wide receiver like forty, which is decent? Yeah, for for fantasy, I, I love Burks this year. They don't have really any other options. So what are they going to do? Um, you know, the scheme there is still decent. You know, they, they still run that heavy play action scheme and, you know, Burks can get loose on some crossing routes. And I think you saw that last year at times. He catches a, a drag route and he'll run 30 yards for a touchdown. So yep. um, I, I like the scheme for Burks, especially. I think it's going to hide some of his deficiencies. Um, yeah, I, I'm totally in on Burks and as far as fantasy goes this year. I still don't like him too much as a player, but great situation for him. Uh, underrated guy though kyle phillips my dude i uh, loved him yeah i loved him last year too actually ucla yeah. kid right the yeah, stock yeah. guy yeah yep i think he's uh you know he's got some upside he's probably not getting drafted anywhere <laughs> but you know i think he's uh, he's a guy who could produce a little bit for them and they desperately need someone to establish themselves as a number two so he's pretty strong right phillips for you know for small frame slot guy i think he's you know because that's what i always look at like you know, like, are you strong enough to, you know, break arm tackles and shit, yeah. stuff like that, right? Yeah, for sure. And he he played on the outside a little bit at UCLA too, and and was fine getting off press. So for yeah, exactly. a guy without a ton of vertical juice either, that's pretty impressive. Chiggy Aconquo, we're basically all in. Like back to you, Brett. Um, what did you think of the usage of Chiggy Aconquo? I mean, the dude was. You know, getting a lot of love and a lot of you know target share love, if you will. But you know, a little, little bit of a you know like a check down guy. Uh, but then you know he's kind of all over the map last year. But what'd yeah. you think? And and what do you think about the prospects this year? Yeah, so he has a lot of Johnny Smith to him. Obviously, um, they they liked him in that role. The thing that's different between the two is Chig can actually run routes. Um, he was a receiver at Maryland before they moved him to tight end. Even when he was, even when they moved him to tight end, he still played more of a, an F type tight end where he's moving around the formations and he's out there running routes. So I, I love Chig. I'm all in on him. And just about every dynasty league I have, I have Chig in. All right. So he, he's my guy. He is one of my so guys. So you must have liked uh, the projection we did uh, where we have him well over the markets here, tight end nine. Heck yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Um, Adam, uh, are we going a little overboard on Chiggy? Are we, because I want to no. get Chiggy with it. He's a smaller guy. You know, that's the thing that, you know, he's more of a slot tight end. And he's just, he's just got to build his body up, but he, he is super explosive with a ball in his hands. I know from talking to the Titans last season, they were trying to figure out a way to get him freed up because, as we all know, the receiver core is the worst in the National Football League other than Baltimore. And they haven't really addressed it. Shockingly, like they didn't do anything. They drafted yeah. one guy. Yeah. And Burks is have a full offseason now. He's healthy. Phillips was hurt last season. They they brought Chris Moore in, who did a decent job when asked yeah, to do it. Yeah. Not play special teams, but Chick could have a really good year. I could see 50 or 60 catches now that Tannehill is healthy. And one thing you're going to see, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to do this because is Henry still on the team, but Vrabel, the word I got behind the scenes is Vrabel wants to be more forward thinking with the offense. Yeah. You can't go away from Henry. There's nothing, he's still on the team, so there's right. nothing you can do right. about it. But he wants to I would expect the pass attempts. I know it looks like it. How could they do this? But I, I expect the pass attempts to go up a little bit. Maybe get a little Tajay Spears involved as well, like maybe a little bit more than we saw from Dontrell Hilliard over the last couple of years, a little change-up kind of a thing? or 
But no, I'm but more... I'm talking passing football. I'm talking passing. I know. Well, Tajay can catch it. You yeah, know. but I'm talking to the receiver uh, by formation variation. Kelly's actually a pretty good OC, and uh, that probably got to work with him. Vrabel's uh, pretty close with him. He brought him over from the Texans with him. So um, that that I just wish they had better talent to throw to. Yeah. That's the problem. They just don't have the group. But I'm going to say for for Dynasty League people, 24 should be his breakout season of Conquest. I really and hopefully Will Levis is is got himself together. That's another issue. Yeah. I'm I'm with Adam too. I, I mean, I was always a little impressed with Tim Kelly and the work he did with Houston, that offense and with Deshaun Watson, especially in 2020. Yeah. Um I think they're gonna have to throw more too, John, just because they're gonna stink. I mean, their defense is really, yeah. really bad. That's true. Yeah, defense. AFC is really strong. AFC South obviously is the weak, the weak link in the AFC, but like, yeah, their defense is gonna stink. I I I'm in on Burks. Uh, not in a very similar way as Brett. Like maybe he's not the best uh, player of all time, but like, oh yeah, who the hell? Else? I mean, he's going to walk into 110 targets this year. Exactly. And the yeah. thing to keep in mind with Traylon uh, last year is like he he really struggled with injuries. He had a really unlucky turf toe injury. Yep. Uh, as we know with receivers, you know that could be super painful. Then he had a concussion mid season when it seemed like he was finally starting to break out a little bit. So. Really unlucky rookie season for him. And, you know, maybe we're not in on the talent, but, like, there's no one else here. Over in the AFC West, moving on here, the Fantasy Points Town Hall, Denver Broncos. Adam, you know, how good of a sign is it for Javante that they only signed Samaje Piran of note? And here we are in mid-May. Sean Payton is talking about how Javante may actually avoid PUP. I mean, these these are good signs. Oh, definitely a positive sign. But again, it's, it was a multi-ligament injury similar to uh, Dobbins. So I'm more skeptical with this injury than maybe Sean is in terms of hit for what the purpose of this discussion. I, I'm not saying he won't be ready in September, but for him to be even close to the normal, it's just not realistic with this type of injury. He's a guy I'll, I'll be avoiding, to be honest with you, in redrafts. Yep. In the second year from it, just with Dobbins, I'll want him. But this is a year, no matter what they say, I, I just know that I have a big yeah. And, John, keep, keep in mind with the PUP, uh, the new rules allow teams right, to basically right, right, keep right. guys off the PUP list so they can be engaged in practice in August and stuff. So anytime we hear coaches say, oh, he's going to avoid the PUP list in August coming off a major injury, like that's major grain of salt because they usually do that just to keep players engaged. And, well, yeah, because once you understand, yeah. once, you, uh, once training camp starts, you can't go on PUP. Exactly. Start training camp. So yeah, it, um, well, I'll tell you what. As we just developed this Denver thing, if Sean Payton could get Russell Wilson to be just a little bit above average, look at this past target group: Sutton, Patrick, Judy, Callaway, Marquez Callaway. You could say what you want. Sean Payton wanted him. I'm calling the worst way. Oh wow! Yeah, that's right. He had yeah, like three or four opportunities, and he, and he chose he chose Denver. Marvin Mims is one of my favorite receivers for the draft. Hamler, I know he's been a train wreck. Yeah, he can run if he's healthy. And Dulce do you think Cortland Sutton? Do you think Cortland Sutton is on this roster all year? Well, Peyton. He, I mean, now people could say what they want about Sean Payton sometimes because he says stuff. He swore that they weren't going to trade him. Now, trade deadline if they're out of it, a different story. But uh, if if Russell Wilson could just play a little bit above average, this passing game could be something else. Brad, I I was not in on Russ last year at all. I did call him a declining player, but I I, I kind of am in this year with uh, Peyton back here, and then the cost dropping dramatically. I just 
Like he's a one read quarterback, right? One and a half. I don't know. And Sean Payton will, will get those guys open. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, am, am I, is that overly simplistic? I mean, if there's anybody that can fix Wilson, it might be Sean Payton just because, you know, how on schedule he gets his quarterbacks to play. So, I mean, that's, that's a right. feature of us. Right. I don't know though. I mean, right. There's just so much I don't like about Russell from an on the field standpoint. And then you consider the fact that he's like creepy youth pastor vibes. I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, look, <clears throat> I'm with you. I, I, I haven't been feeling good for a couple of years about Ross. It, it's a, he's a weird dude to handicap there, There's absolutely no doubt about it, but you know, he will run a little bit, you know, he was pretty good down the stretch. It is a very good receiving core with a lot of, you know, weapons here. Adam, you had something to say about Dulcich earlier in a. No, he's just, if you okay. add him as a slot tight end, I mean, there's that's a super duper deep pass target group overall. It's can they just get Wilson to be more accurate? Right. His, I'm not his, expecting anything great, by the way. Well, like, but his missed throw rate, inact, he had two problems last year inaccuracy and not seeing it when guys were open, as I was told from people who yeah. graded his tape. Yeah. That's really bad when you're not making throws you normally would make because you didn't see it. That's that, that's a term when you don't see when guys get open and you just you freeze and you stare down the pass target that's really bad yeah and and drives coaches crazy because yes, they, they call the play the plays that. there yep. and your guy didn't pull the trigger here yeah. um john, you, john real quick the only thing i really want to add on this passing game um is jerry judy last year when healthy was quietly awesome like yep Yep. Not just from like an advanced metric standpoint, like yards per route run, you look at uh, any split man ver uh, versus man co coverage for zone coverage, really, really Inside, good. You look, outside, yeah, outside. You look at the, yeah, you look at that too. Like look at the bulk production. So I went back and looked. So in the, in the, if you discount the two games that he got hurt, he hurt his ribs and he had a, a, an ankle injury. If you just throw away those two games, he only played like 10 snaps on both. Throw away those two games. He averaged 15 and a half fantasy points per game. That would have made him wide receiver 14 over Jalen Waddle. Uh, if this if if Judy can't pop this year with Sean yep. Payton, yep. like it's not gonna happen. Yeah, like, I'm he, with you. He was, he was their number one receiver last year. Uh in a game, you look at games where Judy and Sutton were both healthy, Judy had more targets. Um, I mean, if it's if this isn't the year, it's gotta yep. be now. And Judy gonna... Judy's real quick, John. Judy's like one of the only receivers in that fourth round range on underdog that I'm I'm really in on. Um, I just think the ceiling is, is right there with them. We've seen it in so many small spurts. If we can fingers cross, Russ takes like a very, very small step and Judy stays healthy. You don't, I mean, you don't have to look very far for a, you know, very strong wide receiver two season out of Judy. Oh yeah. I'm all in. Uh, I've always been a Judy apologist. Um, I'm going to do a, an all it's now or never team where like, here's a, a all-star team of dudes. Like this is it. Like, J.K. Dobbins, RB1, Cam Akers, RB2, Jerry Judy, wide receiver one, you know, guys like that. Um, anybody not into Judy this year over here? I assume we're all sharing a brain on I'm, Judy. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. The metrics, are the like, like Graham said, the underlying metrics are good. I also have serious questions about whether or not Cortland Sutton's actually good. Oh, yeah. Like, I've never looked I mean, Cortland Sutton's had one good year. I know he's had the injury, but he had one good year in yeah. five NFL seasons. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. Never that, was that was before the injury. And then you look at, yeah. you know, like I said, it's one trick at, pony, one trick pony. 
Yeah, you look at the tar- you look at the target numbers last year. I mean, Judy was clearly the one, especially once he came back from that ankle injury in the last six, seven games of the year. The the, yeah. the problem was how much do we actually believe that Sean Payton can get Russell Wilson back to playing decent football? Because he wasn't even close to decent last year. I know, and that's I a big concern for me. I, I'm much more optimistic than than if they brought Hackett back. But still, yeah. I, I think that's that's a vi- viable question, and it leads me to one of my to one of my points. The guy who's going to be my most drafted Bronco this year is Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Who I, know. I mean, I think at the very minimum is going to be extremely relevant in September. I'm calling him September Samaj, and <laughs> if he plays well, you might get a low end bell cow back for eight to ten weeks, and you're getting him in the ninth round of fantasy drafts. Yep. If you need four yards, I'll get you three point nine. You know, I mean, that's you know, he'll, he'll a good receiver though. Uh, he pass protects, and they're I, not going to have Javante on the field in those situations. I, that, I know, and John, I said this uh, to you last week when we were talking projections. Okay, Javante's not ready. Samaje's and a replacement level runner at best. They could throw the ball here forty times, and like, look, Russ might be washed, but like the volume here could be really really sick for this offense and that's another reason why i am buying in on judy and i'm buying in a little bit on sutton too in the ninth round like maybe he has a one-trick pony maybe he is you know a little maybe he's lost a step but i mean volume wise i mean this this offense could be in the top five in pass attempts by year's end let's head on over to kansas city here the afc town hall continues here at fantasypoints.com with me john hansen adam kaplan joe dolan Graham Barfield and Brett Whitefield. KC Chiefs take our guy, Brett Rishi Rice. As soon as the pick was made, I I thought uh, goodbye MVS. Though I'm just not sure Rice is going to step right into this offense and do well. Rookies almost never do. But your thoughts on Rishi Rice here in KC? It's a pretty intriguing trio. Um, I mean, you you could literally look at the next five years and say okay it's rice tony and sky Moore in the slot there's your top three yeah my only issue with that john is i think rasheed rice is going to be in the slot for them right you said that yeah wow um, some of his best tape at smu is him playing in the slot there um when you look at this receiver core the only thing they lost from it was juju who was made in that roll down yeah um, rasheed just is a natural fit to replace him one of the things you know, Mahomes was clearly frustrated about last year. Going back to that playoff game is the lack of precision and discipline that Tony and Sky Moore had in their route running. Um, there was that one game where they would have two healthy receivers and they just literally stopped throwing the ball to receivers because it wasn't there. Rasheed wow. Rice is a very disciplined route runner. Um, I know he's coming from an SMU offense that didn't have an elaborate route tree, but when you you know when you look at the routes he was asked to run, he ran them all very efficiently. There's no wasted movement there. Everything he did was on time and on schedule. Um, I think Rice kind of gets them on track. I wouldn't be shocked if he starts day one for them in the slot. Um, and it doesn't mean he's limited to slot only duties either, John. I think Rashid can obviously play on the outside as well. He's got a little juice to him. He was a, he was a productive downfield threat at SMU as well. So, um, love well, the- I mean, if you're right about this. This does not bode well for Sky. Now, Sky did line up outside too, mm-hmm. and he could do that. Uh, but think John, uh, they believe they're interchangeable. Just so you know, they think Tony and yeah. Sky Mark could be moved. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. What about Rishi Rice though? Well, he's going to play inside. I would agree with that. And by the way, uh, MVS is the reason why they brought him back is they just didn't have any size of receiver. Yeah, it's a lot of money they're paying him. It's a, it's a little bit too rich for me. And they, he's 
from what I heard, they they he is kind of what they thought he would be. Mm-hmm. A big deep threat, a big target for Mahomes. They just need to get in the ball a little bit more. But as we know, he's never really commanded the ball. But they're paying him a lot of money. In fact, he is going to make this season. It's just it's almost hard to believe that they brought him back to this. Well, they're going to continue to throw it a lot because look at yeah, the running not, back. Not, he's going to make $9 million this season. It's great. Mm. How many carries for Isaiah Pacheco to open the season? A couple surgeries. You know, we're a little worried about that. But anyway. Yeah. How many carries, though? I mean, do, do we pick off right where we left off with Pacheco, you know, down the stretch, kind of getting the ball? Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> th- this is a sound thing. Uh, you know, I, I was not looking. I, you're making faces. And I'm like, hello? Um, is this thing on? Okay. Um, well, they don't have much. Uh, Graham, Jarek McKinnon brought back. Uh Yep. Clyde Edwards Alaire. I don't I still don't know what the hell happened, but injuries. Uh, yeah. Injuries. Well, the injury before the injury, though, he he had they he fell Lack out of feeling. What's that, Brett? Lack of talent. Yeah, yeah. I know, Brett, you've yeah. always been lower on him. Um yeah. look, I mean, I, I, I was a fan of his game coming out of college. Uh, I thought at least as a as a pass passing down player, he would pop. I really do think it was the injuries, though, man. He had a really, really bad high ankle injury, and then he had a hip injury his rookie year. Uh, he had his gallbladder yeah, removed. Could I mean, be. The dude has had a really, really bad injury history. He's a distant three here. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, over their last 13 games last year, was averaging 14 carries per game. I think that's about right. I think you right. can give up 12, 13, 14, 15 carries a game. The thing with him is he's just never really going to be a big player in the passing down, I don't think, especially with McKinnon back. Um, they'll not a zero though, not a zero. Not a zero. Yeah, they'll throw him screens and just try. I mean, he's obviously like he runs like the Tasmanian Devil. Like sometimes he doesn't know where he's going, but like he's gonna run through people for sure. Of course. Um, and you you know you dial him up in the screen game. I like him a lot as an RB two. Get him in the seventh round. Uh, you start zero RB. Uh, maybe get a running back in the fourth, fifth round. Come back, get Pacheco in, in the sixth, seventh. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, the question. Adam, I'll throw this to you here with this receiver. This receiver core is like, okay, we know what MVS is. We think Rice plays in the slot. Uh, You know, elephant in the room here is the Chiefs have been kind of signaling that Tony is going to be their number one receiver. And, I mean, just from a target. It could be, right. It It could be. They're just talking about his talent to be based on what I know. They just think he's so gifted. They just wanted to get him to the offseason because of everything that happened last year. Right. Yeah. He, he he does things that no one else on the roster could do, including our guy Sky Moore. But that's it's all that he can do. That's it, it, whether it's jet sweep, playing in the slot, getting a match on a guy can't. He's got incredible movement. Like he's oh, yeah. he's a freak. He's a freak. Yeah. yeah. That, there you go. That's what I was talking. He's a front runner. So that bodes well. Like. You're out in front when you're with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. He's a front but runner. You, can't tr- you cannot trust Tony. You just no. Cannot. You can't. You can't. No you, idea you can't. But he yeah. his inability and unwillingness to play through injury is the problem with him. Yeah. You don't know what he's thinking. The Giants could probably tell you they didn't know what they were thinking. No, exactly. And, and uh, you know, they moved on from him. But no, he look if if he plays like 14 games, he could be pretty special. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I I did a solo interview with him. Uh, it was fine, but you know, a little all over the place. I, I did actually, ironically, compare him to uh, Tyreek. Um, but 
you know, so is Sky Moore screwed here? I mean, we'll see. Don't go that far. It's just uh, it, he, he needs to have a great offseason. And he does. He does. And he they're going to be, look, they're heavy. The trust. John, they're heavy 11 anyway to begin with. They're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of production yeah. to go around. But the problem is, though, John, not that MVS will catch more than 40 balls, but Tony, if he plays, if he's healthy, he's going to play a lot. Rasheed Rice, he's a rookie off the work into it. If he knows what he's doing, he's going to play. Yeah. And you've got well, Kelsey, who's obviously going to be their bell cow with targets. So maybe more only gets 50 receptions. Well, we'll see. Kelsey, obviously a huge factor. But if if you're telling me that MVS, Kadaris, Tony, Sky Moore, Rishi Rice, Richard James, Justin Watson, if Scott, that you're telling me that Sky Moore can't rise above this, I, I retire. Said, I don't see I'm retiring. You. Let me ask Sky you. Moore cannot rise above this group. Do, do you see 70 catches from him? That'd be a lot. No, no, but I see 65 I if things 50, go really well. 50, yeah, I got lower 50. Really well. I, mean, I think we, that's my thing, John, with like, okay, we can think Sky Moore is the best talent on this. Well, Tony's the best talent. Yeah. We can think, Sky Moore, we can think the world is Sky Moore's talent. I just think that, I mean, look at what the Chiefs are telling us. I mean, they want a full-on rotation. Maybe one of these guys pops is like a full time guy. Yeah, but they want a rotation here, and they've I, been telling us that, no doubt. They, no I doubt. mean, they want this will be maybe the last year they do it. Then maybe they'll try to go out and get a, a much better receiver next year. But like this system with Kelsey as the guy, and then you just mix in all these really fun, speedy players around him. Like it, it obviously clearly works. And it, I mean, yep, it's be, it's better this year. You know, you yeah, yeah. race Sky Moore's a year a year older. It's better this year. I mean, there's no one you can really key on other than Kelsey, and no one seems to do that anyway, uh, even if they wanted to. Um, I know, Adam, you need to run real quick here. Um, uh, are you good for another five minutes here to do I, Raiders? I can do the Raiders. I can do the next team that I got. All right, what do you got here on the Raiders with Michael Mayer? Uh, they did not do much at running back here. So is Nothing. Zemir White still you yeah, know, maybe Z- a Zemir White, future? Zemir, Zemir White should wind up. Now, again – because McDaniels loves Brandon Bolden. I don't know how he's still there. He's back. Zemir Abdul has his little role. But if Jacobs got hurt, I would I would look for Zemir White more or less yeah. to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, other things, no, it's <clears throat> Mayer, Hooper, Howard. They're going to be heavy 12 personnel. Do some 11. Devontae, no, no. Not, not exactly loving life in Vegas in year two. Yeah. That's not it, good. This is a mess, and I, I'm shocked that they did not adjust the offensive line. That's another thing. I don't yeah, understand. What the offense. hell are they doing? Yeah. yeah. Well, anybody John, excited about the Raiders? Yeah, that, that's my question with this team is like, okay, Jacobs is back. We feel good about him. But with Adams and Jimmy G here, man, like, ah, I, I think the bottom could fall out pretty quick here for Devontae Adams. And, like, film-wise, Adam was, Adams was awesome last season. But yeah. – Jimmy G with Adams, man. Like Brett, what's your what's your read here on on these two? Uh, I'm super worried about it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean Adam Adams is so good at you know downfield, whether it's in yeah. a possession role on back shoulder stuff or just you know shoot, he crushed on post routes last year and deep crossers. Like he was, Dude, he, he looked 24. He yeah. looked 24. <laughs> He's 30. It's unbelievable. And Jimmy's just not going to push the ball to him downfield. So, and then when you mix in the fact that they have what, like five, six guys that are all best suited to play in the slot, and exactly Myers, Keelan Cole, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, they drafted Trey Tucker. 
I don't even know how they come up with the starting three for 11 personnel. It's right. super yeah. strange group. And Adam never getting in slot inside this year. Right. And he, he dominates in the slot too. And yeah, if, if you want high volume from, from Jimmy, you probably need to put him in the slot. So and they drafted Trey Tucker. I could not believe they took him in a third round. That was yeah, Brett, one Brett, of the worst in the draft. Yeah, Brett, your points on the personnel are, are taken well. My my actual bigger concern with Jimmy G is like he's never been a guy to push the ball outside the numbers. Like he's always a middle of the field guy, and he's pretty good at it. But I mean, I, they're going to throw to Jacoby Myers and all these other slot guys like John. But you know, we're talking about groupthink and, and trying to get away from thinking like the masses. And I, I made this point in projections a couple weeks ago. Like I like Ceedee Lamb more than Devontae Adams. Like we know yeah, they're going to yeah, scheme yeah. Lamb into all those targets. We know he's going to play in the slot. Dallas is still a top five offense. Like we, I mean, I love Devontae Adams. I, I mean, I have I've had the dude on all of my dynasty teams for so long. But like, I am extremely concerned about one the volume here. They could become extremely run heavy with Jimmy G. I think that's what they should do if McDaniel's is trying to save his job. And then two, like Jimmy G and Adams are like polar opposite fit wise. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pulling back a little bit. Uh, I'm taking like uh, 35 yards away just on his comments yesterday about the mm-hmm. the direction of the organization. I mean, that's a bad vibe too. Um, you know, he's got to be pissed. I mean, he he, he got right. traded, got the new contract to go play with his boy with Carr, and then like it took right. 13 games for McDaniel's to be like, all right, I can't work with Derek Carr. Like, yeah, they're a rudderless ship right now. I, mean, I feel like devonte was sold a bill of goods that that that's a two-year window with his boy car and they cut it short they didn't even give him one you know um okay well we can move on for mr c uh you do have to leave here adam uh last team is the chargers any closing thoughts on the chargers me yeah yeah before you oh, leave no, john's i told you this could be it for both receivers because their cap numbers are absurd they have quarterback cap numbers in 23. So let me give you that real quick before I get out of here. Mike yeah. Williams' cap number due to restructure is 30 over 32 million. That's you can't. You would have to re, you have to you basically would have to extend. Now they could extend him next year to lower his salary and his cap number. Uh, he has a roster bonus due in the fifth day of free agency. They'll have to make a decision anyway. And then Keenan Allen, same problem due to the restructure. His cap number is over $34 million and $24, $18 million base salary, no guaranteed money. Both could be gone. Both could be gone. What? Wow. That's a lot to walk away from. But clearly, though, them drafting Quinton Johnston, who's an ex-receiver, Mike's an ex-receiver, Mike Williams is an ex-receiver, they're kind of telling you that he's his replacement. That's that's what that would signal to me. Yep, which um, begs the question, what, what, why'd you resign Mike Williams? But uh, it's neither yeah. here nor there. Uh, I, I guys, I think Quentin Johnson right now in underdog is grossly overvalued. Um, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I also think Jackson Smith and Jigba's undervalued, but yeah. Quentin Johnson is wide receiver 43. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, John. I think, I think some of the rookie receivers have gotten uh bumped up a little bit too much on underdog just because everybody's chasing receiver. Uh, receiver falls off pretty drastically around wide yeah. receiver 30 and underdog, and I think that's a, right. a big part of the reason. Uh, I can you can make the case for Quentin Johnston having a big year one role though. I mean, if Keenan or Mike Williams gets hurt, you know, Keenan's going to be thirty one. He's coming off a bad hamstring injury. Mike Williams has obviously dealt with injuries his entire career, dating back to Clemson. 
you know, that would be the, the bull case for Quentin Johnson. I love him for dynasty because I'm with Adam 100%. Keenan and Mike Williams are probably both gone after this year. Uh, and Quentin could just straight up replace Mike Williams if they do indeed cut him or trade him. Uh, but yeah, for this season, I mean, we're, we've got to basically project an injury for Keenan or, or Mike Williams or Quentin Johnson to really, really pop this year. Yep. Yep. Joe, um, you're on the clock with the fifth pick, fourth pick of your draft season long. And it's Jamar Chase or Austin Eckler. Go. Chase without even thinking. Wow. Okay. And 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 if and if and if the top three are Jefferson Chase and McCaffrey, I'm probably taking either Cup or Kelsey there as well. I'll also take Tyreek Hill. Okay. Um, so you're gonna yeah, play it safe I, a little bit and avoid the running backs if Yeah, you know. I just I I'm and then uh I I'll tell you this this might be a hot take for this room. If you forced me to take a running back in that situation, I'd take Bijan Robinson. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm not, that, that, that is, that's where I'm going with that. I'm not down on Eckler. I still have him as a first rounder. It's just the trade demands, you know, the new offense, uh, which, which I think like, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just falling trap and looking for the next great thing, but I think yeah. Bijan Robinson is pretty clearly that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ultimately, well, ultimately, I think Eckler wants a new contract. Like that's what. Oh he yeah. Wants. He yeah. wants an extension. Uh, he's not going to get traded. Uh, their GM Tom Telesco has said we're not trading him. Yet his underdog ADP is like eleven, twelve overall. I've got him at seven because Joe, I'm with you. I still want Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, like the stud mm-hmm. receivers, pass catchers over him. But like, I you can't. I mean, I don't really think you can go too much further than like. 11 or 12 with Eckler right now, even if you are receiver heavy and you do like Bijan. Um, my bigger concern with Eckler is not even the trade concerns. It's not any of that. It's Joe Lombardi's departure. Like Joe Lombardi was one of the worst offense coordinators in the NFL last year, but he was awesome for Austin Eckler. Uh, Cause all their, their offense revolved around like, Hey, Justin Herbert of the, the first read isn't there. Just check it down to Eckler. Uh, and your first read will be six yards downfield. Uh, this year will be totally different, especially with Quentin Johnson. Uh, Eckler is still going to catch the ball. He's still going to play a ton. He's still going to be a bell cow. Uh, I am. I think we got to pull back a little bit from his reception total, and that's a, a part of the reason why I'm a little lower on him. But if you were to tell me that Austin Eckler is going to continue to to get the 100 catches and all the touchdowns in, in the world, like he should be at worst the third pick in fantasy this year. But I do think we have to bake in some regression from a coaching scheme. Yeah, although I still think Kellen Moore is pretty good. Um, oh you know, no, Kellen's. I, I'm. I love the fit with Kellen Moore. I'm not taking any yeah. points from that. I'm just saying Eckler really benefited from Lombardi's very, right. very stale scheme last year. Because oh yeah, at the end of the day, Herbert was looking for receivers downfield to get open, and one, they really weren't doing a great job of scheming it, and two, like the default was just dump it off to Eckler. I, I do think that changes this year. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, I wasn't a Lombardi guy, but the one thing he did well was Eckler. So uh, now that's gone. Uh, Brett, any closing thoughts on these Chargers? Uh, Chargers going to charge. You know, they, they're just kind of like the AFC Vikings, you know, just torturing the fan base year in and year out. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love what they did in the draft on offense specifically. I mean, Quinton Johnson, first-round pick. I mean, this is exactly what they've been missing from this offense, playmaking ability. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are probably the most vanilla receiving duo in the NFL. Now, they're good players. They're good at what yeah. they do. But right. if you really want to maximize Herbert and what he does, you needed some juice, needed playmaking ability. Quinton Johnson gives you that all over the field, whether it's, you know, obviously the run after catch stuff pops, but he's also a really good downfield threat. Um, the, the juice he provides this offense should be extraordinary. 
Um, I think you talked about his ADP, underdog ADP. It obviously seems high, but I wouldn't rule out him having a monster rookie year just because I I, I think he opens up this offense. And Kellen Moore is going to use him the way he used CeeDee Lamb. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, my my comp for Quentin Johnson oh. is actually a juiced up CeeDee Lamb. So oh baby. Uh, so this this works pretty well. Um, and then Darius Davis in the fourth round. I know. He, he's he's kind of a nothing for fantasy, but from an NFL standpoint, a football standpoint, they lacked juice last year on offense. They get another guy with a ton of juice. Four, three, five guy, insane punt and kick returner. You can scheme up touches. You can play that DeAndre Carter role for them. Um, he can get open downfield from the slot. Right. You know, if they did happen to move on from Mike and Keenan next year, I mean, at least they're replacing them with guys that have some serious amount of juice. So, yep. And then last thought on Eckler too, guys. Um, you know, I know, I know Lombardi's offense helped Eckler get a ton of targets. I don't see Kellen Moore's offense preventing that from necessarily happening, though. Eckler's oh, yeah. still an elite checkdown option. He's going to go spread. He's going to go tempo. Those, you know, going tempo and spread that that leads to a lot of checkdowns. And Eckler yeah. might not have the same reception total he had, but he's going to get more efficient because, yeah, a lot That's of true. deep combinations are going to open up space in the middle and the short part of the field for him. So, and Eckler. Yeah. In, in a phone booth, he can make a guy miss really, really well. Yep. When he's in congested areas, he struggles a little bit. Uh, he's going to have those phone booth opportunities a lot more this year. Yeah, I mean, look at the job that Kellen Moore did getting Tony Pollard in space last year. Yeah, absolutely. That was pretty yeah. damn good. Yeah, no, that's a totally fair point, Brett, and, and, and a great one. My, I guess my thing is, like, he caught 107 balls. What was it, 110 balls last year? Like, don't I, see that happening. No, yeah, no, that's no, going to go back no. down to, like, 70, you know? I think the, we, we have 76. should help offset yeah. some of that, uh, right. some of all that loss there. Yeah. Well, that will wrap, wrap it up here, the AFC Town Hall at FantasyPoints.com. Uh, special thanks to our guy, Trey, behind the glass. Adam Kaplan had to run. So we'll uh, end the recording now. I'm not even sure exactly if we're going to chop this up. I know we will um, or put this up as a standalone extreme, which I'm sure we will. Uh, so anywho, for Joe Dolan, uh, Brett Whitefield, Graham Barfield, Tom Brawley behind the scenes, our guy Trey, I'm John Hansen. We'll catch you next time here at fantasypoints.com. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.